Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Wally and Andrew uh, sitting here with a special guest, Jake Baskin. Uh, we're getting ahead with uh, World Juniors. Um, we got the World Juniors coming up. The roster, Team USA, has been released. So I was racking my brain. I was uh, trying to think of who uh, we can get on the show. And uh, turns out that the uh, the guy I know, perfect for the job, aficionado and uh, rain man when it comes to past rosters, uh, Jake, has been uh, gracious enough to join us. Jake, welcome to the show. Uh, good to be back here. Uh, I tried to listen to the last uh, episode I was on back in uh, back around NHL draft oh, time right, in 2017, yeah. but uh, but uh, that episode uh, no longer is, is available. Lost to the sands yeah, of time just... and a bad co- an old computer which no longer worked. Long story, but uh, we're glad to have you back. Well, it was a memorable enough episode for us to have you back on. Yeah, trust so, us. Exactly. It was a good episode. Trust, all of our right. listeners are, are probably like, yeah, I remember that guy. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah, well, all I remember is I, I went on your show, and back then it was a debate that whether Nico Heischer or Nolan Patrick would be the number one pick, and I, I was on the side yep. of Heischer, so... I got that right. And if, if I could remember, the, the one thing I remember is we're just like, God, what's with this weird uh, Kale McCarr? Is he like the real deal <laughs> yeah. coming out of what was it? The Saskatchewan League? It was one of those uh, Alberta. It was Alberta leagues. Alberta. It's like, yeah, we, that that league's not like on the level of the other major junior leagues. Um, but you're like, yeah, he's he's the real deal. And uh, fast forward six plus years. And yeah. I think he. I think you were right about that one too. Yeah, I think I was a bigger Haskinen guy, and Haskinen's a, a very good no defenseman. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, not Makar. And I, I, I might have been wrong about who I had uh, ahead at that point. Well, um, USA uh, rosters are released. Um, just kind of first and foremost, obviously, Saint Cloud tie hashtag local angle. Um, Brett Larson is the uh, one of the assistant coaches. Uh, we got. Uh, uh, the Denver coach, Carl, Carl, what's his first name again? David, not Matt. David. I uh, just don't ask. Always, no, always get brother, that confused. Yeah. Um, so obviously, um, I get a little bit worried cause I've seen, um, you know, Denver play defense this year and everything that I've heard about this team USA squad is that, uh, it's a lot of smaller puck moving defensemen that will contribute a lot offensively. And, um, we don't know about the defense side. So uh, I'm a little bit worried, uh, if it's going to be a first to six affair, uh, in all of these games, but, uh, give me, give me your take kind of on the breakdown of uh, how this roster is set up. Well, I think the defense is less of a disaster than last year, uh, Last year with uh, Rand Pecknold as the coach, uh, I, you know, the the player pool was not, you know, was even smaller than this one. And, and the one guy with size was Luke Hughes, who is uh, not exactly the greatest defender. 
And um, then his one defensive-minded guy, Ryan Chesley, put in the doghouse early on. Um, this year, I like the defense better. Um, it's still got a lot of the same problems. You know, Sam Renzel's a bigger guy, and Drew Fortescue will be on the third pairing, and Renzel will probably be like the 70 or whatever. Ryan Chesley's still there, and he'll be an important part. The defense is the one thing that I have an issue with, but God, the rest of this team is so good. Even with Logan Cooley in the NHL, this team's top nine might be the best I've seen on paper in now this is going to be tournament number 12 that I, that I watch. And, you know, I, I could go through the kind of depth they had, you know, at left wing in particular that, you know, about the guys who didn't make this team. And we'll get to that later. Beyond that, this goaltending tandem. Now, I think every year I've been following the tournament, like from the beginning. So since 14, I've had an opinion on who the starting goaltender should be. Um, and most of the time they've gone with my choices. I think now once they haven't, uh, that was actually a Bob Mosco team, <laughs> but like Trey Augustine of Michigan state and Jacob Fowler of Boston college, you know, Augustine is the returning starter on this team and Fowler is having one hell of a year at BC. I think both these guys, you know, could be the best goalie in the tournament, whoever comes away with the job. And again, this forward group is so stacked that like Cole Iserman couldn't make this team. James Higgins couldn't make this team. Quentin Musty couldn't make this team. And I think all of those, you know, were the right decision because they just have so many guys up front. It's all about them executing now, but I'm, you know, I'm optimistic about this team. I think, you know, in the years I've been following this tournament, there have only been three previous times where I've really liked how the roster was constructed going in previously, and they ended up with at least a silver in each of those three. Which uh, which years were those? Uh, the golds in 17 and 21, and the, the silver in 19. Nice. Um, yeah, so... You know, looking, it's a lot of a lot of East Coast flair on this. A lot of BC. Obviously, they're having a really good season this year. Mm-hmm. We don't see a lot of them um, here. Uh, so out, 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 uh, out west, uh, Midwest, and obviously Arizona. Um, but just um, you know, McGrory, a uh, huge question on his uh, status, and he was able to make the team. Um, we had a chance to see him in St. Cloud when Michigan came, but unfortunately he was injured during that time. Um, so um, with him, you know, possibly being a little bit banged up, you're, you're okay with him making the roster. I thought that was kind of an interesting with, like you said, Hagen's not making the roster and he's projected to be what top overall pick top two pick next year. So yeah. In 25. Yeah. You know, last year they left, Will Smith off the team, who was a little bit banged up, and I understand Smith was Bel Air. 17 at the time. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, Mr. <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Lexington, Massachusetts. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if that played into it, but with the season McGrady is having, he's been possibly the best player, best forward in college hockey this year when he's been healthy. 
when he's been healthy and playing against <laughs> Lindenwood, he racks up the points. Yeah, well, but he hasn't. Like I said I was a little surprised to see him because he hasn't played in what it'll be a month and a half, and so it was the injury concern I mean, was was definitely a question mark. They they did give him every chance to make the team. He says he's going to be healthy. David Carl says he's going to be healthy. You know they're they had a deep left wing group as is, and they still have a deep left wing group. Um, on on the roster is currently constructed. They're they don't want to break up the the BC line that's been so successful this year. Um, you know, McGroarty is the top line left winger. You know, if he's healthy, it's a no brainer. I think they trust that, you know, particularly in the preliminary round where uh, the first two games are not going to be particularly challenging if, you know, mm-hmm. if everything goes chalk, they might want to see uh, him ease into um, in, into playing that way. And on a, on a top line with Cutter Gauthier, a surprise center, uh, I, th- I think I thought he was going to be a left wing going into the team, and, and Jimmy Snuggard, um, those – that that's the line they want. And I, I think uh, they're going to try and let McGrady play his way back into shape. Um, now I'm, you know, you're also, you know, a Minnesota fan um, when it comes to the Gophers, both men's and women's. I remember Snuggerud's kind of hot start, um, you know, obviously St. Thomas and then North Dakota. Um and then he went into a little bit of a lull. Did he snap out of that? Or um, I know, I mean, obviously he has a ton of talent anyway, but, um, you know, I just remember that he had that little bit of a lull after, you know, five goals in the first two games or something like that, three games. Uh, Snuggerud's on actually a similar pace that he was goal-wise last year. It's just the assists he's not picking up. And, you know, when you're not playing with <laughs> Matthew Nyes, that'll take anymore. Hit, yeah. But he, he's still the best shooter on the roster, especially now that Cole Eiserman didn't make the team. You know, and he just has to get Gauthier and McGordy, who are great passers, to get him the puck. I, I still think his shot has been working. Um, you know, switching over to that defense, uh, you know, we got we got a Bemidji. We got a Beaver on the team. Uh- <laughs> yeah, good for Eric so- Polkamp. Dude, I was trying to Google that. Has do we know if Bemidji's ever had a World Juniors player? They've never had one, like for U.S. or for any country. Because that's certainly. I mean, the only uh, I I think the Bemidji Twitter account said they um, it was their first guy, and you know Bemidji's not a team that would generally recruit players yeah. eligible to play in the World right. Juniors. Uh, they reached so, a frozen or to make like, the U twenties when you're when you're <laughs> freshman or twenty one plus. Yeah, their their best NHLer ever is Joel Otto, I think. I was gonna say so, Matt Reed, but Otto probably had a longer yeah. career. But I, you know, good for Pole Camp, and mm-hmm. you know he's he deserves to be on this team, and we can talk about the defense and and the similar guys they have, like Lane Hudson and uh, Seamus Casey. So and now Zee Booyam, mm-hmm. look at the year he's having at Denver. Yeah, and um, we just got done raving about that those Denver defensemen. <laughs> Uh, Weldy did at least. We we actually have a literal Denver defenseman on this team, but yes, and he's he's uh, even he's young. After, he, after, after, after Zeeb's older brother was that was the tall guy cut last year. Guy, uh, but, but, but Pole Camp, I don't think he was guaranteed a roster spot coming to the camp, 
And he made the team. Would and you he's put Otto above a White Cloud? <laughs> yeah, now that White Cloud has been making it. But, like, Joel Otto was on those, like, Team USA Canada Cup teams, and he did score a uh, Game 7 goal in the playoffs. I don't know. Stanley Cup I think winner. I, give well, I guess White Cloud. White, White Cloud is a Stanley Cup winner, winner too, as well. So. so that's pretty much why. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk. Um that I saw on Twitter was uh, kind of a big snub um, and the inclusion um, of uh, the defenseman from BC. Um, but, um, you know, I just noticed, you know, every time I look at team USA and the roster and how it's constructed, I always kind of look at, you know, where are they going with um, inclusion of people that do end up going the juniors route in Canada for the CHL. Um, and I am going to defer to the announcer on how to pronounce Hunter's last name, uh, Bruce Stevich, uh, who is having a, an, a, uh, incredibly impressive season. Um, you know, just kind of, what are your thoughts here about him not even getting a look at camp, uh, much less not making the roster? See, I, I see the idea of not including him on the team. I'm I'm gonna pair. I'm gonna preface this for the fans who might not know who Hunter Brustevich is. He was an NTDP guy. He committed to Michigan, but uh, with that roster coming in, he elected to go to uh, Kitchener of the OHL instead after his NTDP time ended. Right now, he is second in the OHL in points. That is among everybody. He's 13 points out of the next closest defenseman. And it and I don't think this is. Uh, let me say it as such. The the U.S. And, and players in the CHL, it's not always, like, every OHL fan will say, like, he didn't make it because he was in the OHL. I don't necessarily agree with that on the surface. You look at up front, there's been Gavin Hayes and Kerry Terrance, who's on this current team. You have the third goalie, Hillebrandt, who's there. Uh, Quentin Musty didn't make the team, but, like, I, I agree with that. Musty will make it next year. The thing with Brustevich and or the thing with defensemen that that's become the hardest spot for OHLers and WHLers to really get a look. The last uh, CHL defenseman to make Team USA was Hunter Skinner in 2021, but he only did because BU had a COVID outbreak and Alex Vlasic couldn't oh, that's right. uh, travel to the tournament. So before, before that, you're looking at Caleb Jones on the 2017 team. Um, so, you know, I see the argument against Brustevich when you have on the right side, Seamus Casey and Eric Polkamp, and I don't think Brustevich is better than Hudson. I don't think he's better than Casey. Booyam's going right up the boards. But the, the one thing that does get me a little bit is Aaron Manedian from BC. Manedian is a year younger, but... He's not. He's not big. He, he's not over the six feet mark. He's not a great. He, like he's an okay defender. So is Brustevich. And he's not really having a good offensive season. I just don't. He did play his way onto the team, but I just don't agree with. Um, because you'll have some return, some people eligible to return next year. I don't agree with not including Brustevich or not giving him a tryout with how he's been tearing up the OHL last year and last year or this year. And last year they didn't include Ty Voigt, who was leading the OHL in scoring for a while. 
you know, I don't think it's necessarily an inherent anti-CHL bias, but coaches who see the college ranks all the time may have it, may have something against uh, the CHL players. And that, you know, that might be something to look at in the future, but I don't think Bristevich is going to be the difference between, you know, first and second, sure. second and third, third and fourth. I whatever. was, you know, you, you kind of bring up an interesting point that I never really thought about when talking about the, um, like the defense side of it, because like when I think of um, like the CHL, obviously I'm thinking about younger players and, you know, so I, I'm thinking about how, you know, maybe those, these guys are used to going up, you know, against more, you know, 17, eight, you know, 18 year olds versus whereas some of these defensemen, you know, maybe limited, more limited games, more limited college experience, but at the same time, they're, you know, going against 23, 24, much stronger players when it comes to that. So, I mean, I guess I'm just spitballing here, but maybe that could be kind of playing that team USA will kind of look at that maybe a little bit with more stock than, you know, seeing, you know, maybe some of the small, the, you know, the younger uh, opponents there in the CHL. I think they'd probably do the same with goalies if there were enough college options for goalies. Um, I I think it's definitely something to look at. There are fewer uh, Americans playing juniors or high-level Americans playing juniors than there used to be 10 years ago. And I think Brad Schlossman had an article about that a couple months ago. Um, but yes, there always seems to be one omission or two that you look at every year and, and, you know, to varying degrees of validity, uh, you can look at and say, oh, like they just didn't give this guy a look because of where he's playing. So of the CHL players, um, who you got, you got Terrence, Terrence. Yeah. Terrence. Um, And then you pronounce it actually Hayes. Right, Hayes. So yep. Kevin Hayes, and then the third goalie, who's probably not going to get much or no, any action. Not, he, he won't. He won't. I want to get. Yeah, I want to talk about goalies, but let's stick on D for now, because you're you're kind of throwing out there some pairings. You know, it's fluid. It's not like these pairings are yeah. going to be the same throughout the entire tournament. But let's say game one against Norway, what December twenty sixth, mm-hmm. I believe it is. We'll get you the details yep. on the schedule, but you know, kind of throw me some line charts, some partners here on the, on the, let's start with defense. I want you to do the same with forwards, but as you had mentioned too, we got two returning uh, players for, for defense Hudson uh, and, uh, Chesley. and Chesley. Yeah. Uh, it, Casey, Casey was brought to the tournament last year, but he didn't play okay. a game. Okay. Flashbacks. Of Will so um, being taken to the Olympics and uh, yeah, the Olympics. Olympics. right. Uh, well, the, uh, I want to point out to you that the, the CHL guys, uh, Hayes and Terrence, and Terrence is eligible to return next year. They'll be bottom six gotcha. pairings. Terrence might not even play. But I, I but he is eligible to return next year. So, um, In regards to what the pairings will look like, and I think I have a pretty good idea on how it's going to shake up, at least at the start, I think, you know, Lane Hudson is the, be- is the best uh, offensive option on – on defense, uh, I think you're going to pair him with Ryan Chesley, who's a more defensive-minded guy. 
Um, kind of go with one offensively like, offensive minded defenseman with one more stay at home guy. That that's what you'd want. It sounds like uh, Z Booyam and Seamus Casey are going to be on the same pairing, and I think be dynamic. You know, because you'd want you'd want someone like Booyam in your top four. Um, it sounds like Booyam would probably be the guy to play more defense on that point. Uh, Drew Fortescue from BC is going to have some sort of role probably in the penalty kill. And then you'll have, um, you know, Eric Polkamp and Sam Renzel battle it out for the final spot on the right side. Yeah. I, uh, I think Minetti and I think Minetti is going to see press box. If you I had, like to, I like, um, <laughs> <laughs> don't hold back the opinion, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch Hudson. Um, I, when I do get the opportunity to watch him, you know, as I did in the tournament last year in the world juniors and then the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. And then this year he's continuing his, his stellar career so far. And so this could be like his, you know, time to shine defensively for this team. As I mentioned though, this is a really good core of D they got here and a mm-hmm. nice mix of, um, you know, skill, skill guys, smaller guys in, in Hudson's case, but also just, um, strong, strong defensive, uh, players as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how exactly it, it all shakes out as far as which pairing emerges as sort of like the number one pairing. Uh, if it is going to be Hudson with Chesley or another one of these guys that we've mentioned, uh, clicks better with Hudson. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the uh, competition shakes out. It's not a perfect defense core by any means. And if Renzel is indeed the seventh defenseman, Nobody's there is going to be over six one. Um, Booyam's listed at six two. I don't believe it, but uh, you know he could still be growing. Um, and with the way they got manhandled last year, I think this core's this core is a little bit more solid defensively uh, than last year's team. Casey's a better defender than he was last year. Chesley's a good defender. You know you have guys like Fortescue, but. You know, it, it they are going to be lacking in size, and I think that is the one thing you'd you'd worry about 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 this team. Can you? It, well, you uh, can you give us just now? a quick refresher on how last season ended? Uh so last year the U.S. won uh, each game in the preliminary round. Probably outplayed Canada in the semifinal. And, you know, a couple of uh, goal reviews didn't go their way. And I really think um, they got walked a few times that that defense were, look, all respect to Sean Barons, who I really like, but he was the guy when Chesley was put in the doghouse, Barons was asked to be the shutdown guy. And I think you need more than him. Like, And then in the bronze medal game, they won eight to seven in overtime. And here's another uh, dumb question. How many players can you dress in a game? Is it different than uh, it's double A? Is it 22 or 23? It's, yeah, it's 22 that you bring 25 right. to. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, are you going to dress seven, seven D per per game? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. thir- 13, seven, two. Okay. So you get an extra four and you get an extra defenseman. From my experience, at least in, from the Americans' Americans' perspective, thirteenth forward and seventh defenseman don't play very much. 
Not sure. But yeah. Why don't we? Well, well let's let's knock out goalies because that's a fairly simple conversation. We were mentioning Hildebrand, the third goalie, the OHLer, likely not to see any action except in practice. Um, but we've got the return returning goalie with Augustine. He would have played the majority of the minutes last year. I know Imberico is on the team as well. Yeah. Um, I think Augustine took the job from Imberico right. later on in the tournament. And now you got, as you mentioned, Fowler from BC. Uh, conventional wisdom would say go with the experience with Augustine. And he's putting up a good year with Michigan State this year. But how do you see that goalie yeah. battle shake out? You know, Fowler – Augustine has experience with winning. He just won the U18s last year, and he was the big reason why they did, why they managed that comeback against Sweden. Uh, he was also a starter as a 17-year-old. Fowler won the Junior A Challenge last year, and then he had a hell of a run in the USHL playoffs with Youngstown as they won the Clark Cup. And I, I think Fowler is having the better season, but I'm a, you know, I think if you're asked me to say which one of them is going to be a better pro, I'd say Augustine. But with the way right now, I think you have to give them both shots, like give one Czechia and give one Slovakia. And it could be as simple as whoever plays better in the preliminary round, you you give the medal round. Uh, that's what they've done in previous years. Um, I think about the, um, the, the first Moscow year, the 17, when Tyler Parsons and Joseph Wall you know, like that, that goaltending tandem was so good that Jake Ottinger was the third goalie that year. Um, and then Parsons, you know, they, they gave him, you know, after having, he, he, uh, after he had won the OHL championship, uh, the Memorial cup, uh, the year before he helped win gold for the U S and he was one of the reasons why they did. I think they're going to have to do a similar thing. See who wins the job. Cause Augustine Fowler are both very good goalies. And I don't think you want to. Give I think one that's what Carl is also right waiting for at Denver is seeing who's going to win that starting job. And so far, nobody wants to, but I think we should just kind of <laughs> stay. Yeah, on. I'll, I'll try to stay on topic and not bring up Denver's bad defense. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to like kidnap one of these goalies <laughs> and bring them back to Denver with him after the world juniors, the way that he's already had yeah. to dip into the USHL early this year to bring in a, bring in a goalie or so. maybe even Hildebrand. Yeah. Maybe, maybe take him, maybe, maybe just yeah. try to, well, try he, to pull a one, two, one, two, one, two, really change his name <laughs> to something that rhymes. Or no, he know. didn't play any yep. uh, juniors. What are you talking about? Just look That's the O O J. The story I did hear uh, is uh, that Andrew Oak, another OHL goalie uh, who uh, had been the third goalie at the last two tournaments, turned down the opportunity <laughs> to sit in the press box like, again. Yeah, that's like and I'm good for him. <laughs> good for him. That's, you'll be, that's uh, you'll be the extra guy on the ice while Snuggerud is just trying shootout tricks on you. <laughs> you're, you're just the one staying late, and you're like, yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> All right, so why don't we yeah. draw me up some forward lines here? You mentioned, I mean, we got so many BC guys. I had to check. I mean, what we got? Eight or nine players from BC? Seven. Seven. I, I had to check too. Uh, they are they are not playing a game yeah. until January twelfth. So they they do not they play yeah. an exhibition game on the sixth, fifth or the sixth, I think. Um, 
but smart scheduling there from Greg Brown because he would have a heavily decimated roster if you were to play a game with uh, during this Christmas break uh, with uh, with such a shorthanded team. So he's probably reading the tea leaves that he's going to have a bunch of players missing uh, around this time. So smart scheduling there. But so you were mentioning that, and I'm not good with especially I mean Eastern leagues that I don't follow as closely as the Western leagues that Gautier is going to be playing center. Is that correct? And that's not his natural position. Yeah. He's been playing. Is his name actually uh, cutter? It, you, like, like, like it's his middle name straight up cutter. Yeah. All right. Yes. It's his middle name. Oh, I call okay. him Cuddy. Um, like Cuddy, like Cuddy Sark. Um, I, I got a good vibe with him. Uh, so Gautier does play center in college, but he was drafted as a wing. And I think long-term he's a wing. Because he played wing with the NTDP, um, I you know I kind of thought James Higgins was gonna make this roster and, and Gochia was gonna play on his wing because I wasn't sure uh, what McGrory's status was gonna be, right? And I wasn't sure that Isaac Howard was gonna make this roster. Uh, but anyway, the top six in whichever order is the BC freshman line, which was the NTDP line last year of uh, Gabe Perot, Will Smith, and Ryan Leonard. All first round picks. That line's going to be intact. Yep. yep. Um, you have, uh, you know, the other three in the top six are going to be McGrory, Gauthier, and Snuggerud. Um, With Gauthier centering third line, that line. Uh, Gauthier centering that line, right. Uh, the th- um, and Will Smith is the center on uh, on the other line. Um, the third line would be Frank Nazar of Michigan centering his teammate Gavin Brindley on the right and his rival Isaac Howard on the left. And then, you know, the, the fourth line, I think the only thing set is uh, Danny Nelson of Notre Dame at center. And then uh, Gavin Hayes of, of Flint of the OHL on the right. And then I think you have three guys who could uh, take that position. Quinn Finley of Wisconsin, Oliver Moore of Minnesota, and Kerry Terrance of Erie of the OHL. Um, I, you know... I think Moore is the most talented of them, but Moore could also serve you well as a 13th forward. Could be Finley on that line, and Terrence is the extra. I don't know. Talk to me about Moore. Uh, I've been not watching as much Gophers, certainly not as much as you have. Um, Obviously, a lot of hype with him coming in this year. High draft pick. Not quite the hype of Cooley, but, you know, seemed like a really good prospect. How has he looked in the first half of his college career? Well, it's it's almost an impossible task to to replace someone like Cooley. I think Moore is doing you know pretty well. I think he's been kind of thrust in that top line center role or top six center role. Uh, I think he's going to be playing wing for this USA team. He's got a lot of speed. Like one thing you notice about him is is he's really fast. You know that that Minnesota team is having is no one's really setting the world on fire there, but they have a lot of guys doing well. And I, I think more is an important piece and, you know, you're kind of throwing him into the fire with, uh, with, with the loss of, of Cooley and having to, you know, recreate the production of that top line. I like how he's been, but you know, more will have a bigger role in this team USA next year. Yeah. I like, um, I, I like your, your line positioning here. I mean, obviously that BC line with Leonard Smith and Perot, as you mentioned, they've got a lot of experience playing together and a lot of success playing together. I like the idea of of keeping the Michigan players together. 
um, mm-hmm. with with Nazar, um, and uh, and Brindley. And Bridley, I'm thinking McGrory, but no, that's on the uh, that's on the line with, with Gautier. Uh and then with Isaac Howard with the Michigan State from uh, Minnesota Duluth, we always have to rub that in for our um, biggest yeah. fan, Dan <laughs> Jacobs, um, was crying after uh, he left Duluth after a kind of disappointing freshman year. But he's he's found his niche uh, in Michigan State, and he's on this roster as well. So kind of getting all Michigan line together. Again, there's going to be a lot of shuffling. I don't expect that these these pairings um, are set in stone by any by any stretch. Although I'd imagine that BC line. What about, what about for like power plays? And we I just like power really hope that Brett Larson isn't in charge of the power play because <laughs> uh, the way St. Cloud's power play has looked over the past couple of weeks, a lot to be desired. Well, maybe he can take some notes to see how how Steve, they. How I think they Steve Miller is the other assistant. Out. And Garrett Raboyne's on, on, on the staff as well, I believe. Um, I'm not sure who's coaching which units, but um, yeah, I they don't really tell specifics anymore. They used to when uh, when Jim Johansson was the GM, but uh, not not really anymore. Um, as, as for power play, I'm I'm you know now going through um, Chris Peters' uh, Twitter account to find what what they had working together. You know, I, I think Ryan Leonard or Cutter Gauthier could be net front presences. Yeah, like guys who can really shoot, guys like Perot, guys like Snuggerud. I think you'd want Hudson being the quarterback of the power play and then Casey unit two. Yeah, Casey was really impressive. I, I think they're really going to. When he played. I think they're really going to try to see, you know, McGrory could be, you know, a good passer on the power play. I think you have a lot of options. Um, they're probably going to use, particularly in the Norway game, where they're probably going to score a lot or get opportunities to score a lot um, to try things out. And then Switzerland's kind of in a down period from where they were five years ago. So, yeah, let's talk a little I really bit. I, I want to talk a little bit about these these groups, preliminary, preliminary groups, because. Right. The group that uh, the U.S. is in, Group B, I would not consider that the group. When, of death. Um, let's. Uh, I just have one quick question before we go to that. Um, and just because uh, Jake, I know you're a big Islander fan. Um, you know, obviously you know, mm-hmm. Finley and um, Nelson, um, kind Nelson. of the two Islanders draft pick. All the a lot of Blackhawks draft picks on this team as well. Um, but, you know, coming from an Islanders kind of perspective, um, you happy with the development that you've seen? Were you happy with the picks when they kind of came across and announced for you? I was very happy with the Danny Nelson pick because I thought he was in in the mock I had. He was ahead of where he was actually. Danny Nelson's second name round. just reminds me of like your generic create a player on an NCAA football game. <laughs> like your recruit of Danny Nelson. Yeah, well, and... I, I think everybody in Minnesota knows somebody <laughs> named Danny Nelson. It's fitting that he plays um, for Notre Dame too. Cause it's like, he's just missing the O <laughs> Danny O Nelson. Cause that's a pretty Irish name already. Yeah. So, um, you know, Finley, I was not expecting him to make the roster when, when the preliminary roster was announced because <laughs> I look at that Wisconsin I look well, I look at that Wisconsin team and 
you know, you you see a few other guys who were eligible to make it. Charlie Strayhold famously did not make the <laughs> shocker team. Uh, William Whitelaw got cut. Cruz Lucius didn't make the camp, and Lucius has been a pretty good player. Um, Finley, you know, is a guy who the Islanders drafted out of the USHL and who played an extra year in the USHL. So this is his freshman year. I, you know, he's not having the greatest season so far. I think he's going to be a big part later. I'm not sure what his long-term future is, but good for him for stealing a spot at the deepest position in camp. I, I'm I'm happy that he was able Makes to sense. do that. So, uh, yeah, groupings. Uh, so, also, are we hitting the panic meter if we only win two to nothing against uh, in the opening against Norway? Norway. <laughs> well. Uh, there have been a lot of U.S. games where they start off slow. Um, I I don't really pay attention to results on Boxing Day. Obviously, you'd like to win like nine to nothing, but uh, you know, as long as you don't lose, then or as long as like it doesn't go to like overtime or whatever, I'm gonna be fine with whatever. Yes, it's not the the deepest group because um, yeah, who's who would know, be the U.S.'s top competition in Group B? Slovakia, maybe well, Czechia just made the the world the championship game last year, but I I like the Slovak team. It, they're they're uh, in a in a good start. Obviously, um, they have a couple of college correct uh, connections. Maxim Sturback at uh at Michigan State is on the team. Adam Guyan is going to be their goalie. He's off to Duluth next year, and he was their starter last year. The Czechs have Michael Harabel from, uh, from UMass. They had another European. Team. Uh, World Juniors player too, UMass to, does. I can't remember who it is, but it seems yeah. like Harville's got a good uh, inroads to uh, recruiting out in Europe to UMass. Yeah, well, you know, living out east and and seeing what UConn and UMass and UVM have done, I think that, uh, you know, it, the road is a little bit easier for uh, the acceptance of European students. So the coaches have kind of leaned into that. I've definitely seen that with Kavanaugh and, and UConn has become my favorite Eastern team in the years since I've been living really? here. Um, and they have a world juniors player this year with uh, Matthew Wood on the Canadian team. Matthew Wood. Yeah. Dan only brought two, uh, two college players. That's good, but Matthew a little overshadowed, a little Wood. overshadowed by the other uh, NCAA player on, yeah. on Canada's team with uh, Celebrini. Yep. So that's, that's, so yeah, we're, and I guess we're, we're leaving out Switzerland. This is Switzerland erasure. <laughs> that's the other team. in the Yeah. In well, bracket. you know, you think about six years ago where Nico Heischer almost single-handedly beat the U S by himself before Tyler Parsons put a stop to that. Um, Switzerland is not what they were uh, five years ago. And sometimes, you know, this all goes in cycles. Like, the Czechs were so good in the late nineties and the early two thousands. And then they dipped off for a while and now they seem to be back. This is the, also the Slovaks uh, high mark. And, you know, they're probably going to dip down in a couple of years. Finland, you know, who's in the other group is in a little bit of a downswing for, for their standards. Um, You know, it, I'm, if you don't have the resources that the U S or Canada or Sweden or Russia, when they're in the tournament have every year, it's not always smooth sailing. And you know, you're good enough to stay in the top division, but you're, you're not always any good every year. 
It probably also doesn't help so in that per- Sani Ahola isn't eligible um, for to, to play goalie. So <laughs> maybe that would give him a chance to. Yeah. Yeah, well, Sandy Ahola and Nelly Lightning would really do some wonders for uh, this uh, this Finnish team. So you're going out on a limb. You're you're calling uh, Team USA to to take uh, Group B. Yeah, I am. And look, I'm I'm not overlooking the Czechs or the Slovaks who are very good. And look, the Czechs just made the the national the championship game and took Canada to overtime last year. I think just with the way that the U.S. forwards and goalie are, they I I think the expectation is for them to go undefeated in the group. And we're expecting Norway to be the team left out of this group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, so shout out, shout out to Michael Brandseg Nygaard, who's going to be a first rounder this year. But yeah, on Team Norway. Yep, that's good. Am I getting his name right? Let me look that up. I'm trying yeah, to find out like, because right. I do we know the last time that Norway's made the World Juniors, at least the top division? It's probably uh, been a little bit. I mean, they've, they've been around. Like, I, has, I let, me, let me look even that up. Had a first rounder? Uh, maybe. I I think that the only guy who's like in the NHL full time right now is, is Zuccarello. I'm just trying to think like Norway's I just think of I mean they always dominate the Olympic medal count but it's always in cross-country skiing Skiing. so and biathlon Uh, the the last time Norway was in the world juniors let me look this up the last time Norway was in the top division of the world juniors was 2014 so So it's been a a while Yeah. And that is who the, like I said, that's who the Americans have for the first game. Yep. You're not expecting a altogether tight affair. That could be like a Lindenwood type game where you maybe get both goaltenders some action and you get to, to work on some uh, pairings, but Hey, maybe you're going to play a four to two game in the third period. Who knows? If Norway had a goalie I'd heard of, maybe I'd be more scared. Uh, I know they have a guy who's supposed to be a first round pick this year. I don't think, you know, I, 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 I don't want to really eat my words, but I, I feel fairly confident in saying the U.S. is going to beat Norway. That first round pick, uh, well, does he have a name that we know? And then is he uh, what? Michael Bramseg Nygaard. Okay, I'm not going to remember that. Is that uh, no, for? Not. Is he a forward or defenseman? He is a forward. Okay. Uh, Zuccarello went undrafted. Yes. I, I, yeah, because huh. he's like five seven. Um. Yeah. No Norwegian player has ever been drafted in the first round. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. some uh, history. Bensheimer is a forward. He he plays in the Swedish league with Mora. So. This is why we're having you on the show because I would yeah. never have Norway. known that yeah. Norway has. <laughs> A guy on his team. This is the this is the elite prospects page I'm, I'm, I'm on right now. I, I I I love it. I love it. So we got a we got one guy to 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 be worried about, but um, let's hope we don't uh, struggle too much um, uh, with the Norse the, the Norsemen. It's the a other Norsemen. We're, we're we're used to the St. Cloud Norsemen in the in the NHL, but yeah. we actually are literally playing Norsemen. 
um, coming up yeah. here. So, Group and, A, uh, Canada, Sweden, yeah, Finland, so Germany, imagine, Latvia. Like, I, I'm always a fan of Latvia, um, just yeah. in general. Um, and that's always kind of my second uh, second team. And just love their energy, their fans, and they're they always just seem happy to be there. Um, but uh, who I think they got an NCAA, NCAA player on their team this yep. year as well. Uh, they have they have Dan's Lock Mellis from uh, from UMass. There's UMass again. I mean, he's just United yep. Nations, uh, bringing him into Amherst there. And yep. I, I actually, I actually quite like Amherst as a city, so I don't, I don't blame him at all for going there. And that was last year, the one that got away for the Huskies, I believe Mark Martin's mm-hmm. Lavins played on the Lafayette team last year. Actually, so he's at New Hampshire now, and I think they're billing him as Marty Lavins, which I, yeah. I like Martin's. You got to American it up. Better, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Marty, it's, yeah. yeah I, I could talk about Latvian names all day and how they put an S on everything. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd actually be Jake Spaston's Mar- in that Mar- language. So. Mar- uh, Marty Lavin <laughs> is his American name. Yeah, he's got to drop like, the S no, on the I mean, last like, name, too. Teddy, Teddy Bluger is Theodore's <laughs> Bluger's. So, um, so um, you know, I've, my, my big question here, um, before we get into who's coming out of Group A, uh, who's getting re- relegated? I, unless, you know, it's going to be down to Norway and Latvia, I think. Uh, I'm going to say Latvia because I will say Norway having <laughs> we'll a first rounder will. Who is the team that was relegated from last year? Who is Norway replacing? Do we know? Uh, good question. Uh, let, is it Austria? Let me look up. I really should have done, really should have done my homework. Uh, Austria it got relegated Austria. last year. Um yeah, that rele- relegation match, uh, that one's always a feisty affair because a lot on the line. I remember, I remember the year Finland almost got relegated. So so who do we got? Um, are, we, are we going conventional wisdom in Canada or are we going one of the Scandinavian uh, powers? I'm, before I say that, I just, wa- I just want to point out that next year, uh, whoever gets relegated will be replaced by Kazakhstan. Oh, I see. Really? Yeah. That's already been decided. Okay. So good good for good for Kazakh, good for the Kazakhs. Um anyway, you know, Sweden has kind of, you know, used to have a reputation for being absolutely unbeatable in the preliminary round and unable to finish the job in in the medal round. I think Sweden has a better team on paper than Canada, so I will say Sweden takes the group. And we should mention they are the home team. Uh, the home the yes. host nation. So they got the uh, yeah. I guess majority of the rooting interest in the fans will, will be with Sweden. So uh, yeah, I guess I maybe shouldn't have uh, assumed uh, Canada is going to breeze out of this group, but um, I would say it's between those two. I mean, just as yeah. you mentioned, Finland's a little bit down than they have yeah. been in years past. Uh, I think they're still going to be obviously uh, a tough out. So, but I think it is between Canada and Sweden getting uh, taken first place out of this group. Yeah. And um yeah, I I I think it's going to be that way too. Um the the Swedish team looks pretty good and you know that group won the U18s in 2022 uh largely on the strength of their goaltending cuz the US really outplayed them in that gold medal game and uh 5 foot 10 Hugo Havelid 
whose dad I remember playing in the NHL, uh, just absolutely stonewalled the U.S. in that game. The U.S. did get their revenge in the next year's U18s, but I think, you know, the, the 04 group really wants their revenge on Sweden for the U18s. And anything to add about Team Germany, who's had some decent showings in international play? I mean, they're not like serious uh, contenders, but did, did they, there were the silver medalists in one of the uh, kind of the weird Olympics. Was that 2018? I think it was. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah so, that, I mean, right. they've, they've um, made some noise, but I, I'm, I don't think they stack yeah, up no, to, the, to the top three here. But what do you think about Team Germany? I think by this point in time, Germany has surpassed Switzerland as a hockey country. You know, for, for the, I think that's who's true. the best German, mm-hmm. who's the best German speaking country out there? Like I, you know, they finished sixth a, a couple of times in recent years. I haven't heard a ton about what's going on in Germany. Um, I, I mean, I think they'll finish a solid fourth in their group. You know, I I might be down on Finland, but I don't think Finland is at the point of uh, losing to Germany. You know, Germany will make the Let's say they make the medal round and get creamed in the quarterfinals by the U.S. Oh, that would work for me. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good summary. Uh, any other? I mean, since we are a college hockey focused show, we've mentioned in passing some other NCAA players on these non-U.S. teams, and we just kind of drove by Celebrini. Uh, yeah, you do you think he's going to be a number one pick next year? Or in this this twenty twenty four draft, yeah, yeah. No, he he is uh, he's the best player available. Like there there have been some other guys who have been talked about, but the year Celebrini's having in college as a freshman, like maybe some college fans won't will will kind of like side eye it because of you know you just had Fantilli in the year he had last year. Celebrini has been very good this year at BU and, and BU has been a good team. I, I think Celebrini has made it an open shut case that he'll be the number one pick where he plays in the Canada lineup. And Canada is usually more uh, hesitant to trust younger players than even the U S is. Um, that means to be seen remains to be seen, especially now that Canada got Matthew Patra back from uh, the Boston Bruins today. But I, you know, the, the Connor Bedard at a great tournament last year. I think Celebrini Who? is going to have a, is going to be given every chance Never to have a good tournament him. this year. <laughs> and, uh, yes, yeah, so a number one pick, presumably, uh, next year. Do you think he's a, uh, Hobie Baker winner by year's end? Pulling a Fantilli That's- as a freshman. That's a good question. I, you know, the, 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 the tinfoil hat in me saw the year Kyle Connor had as a freshman, the year after Jack Eichel won the Hobie. Well, if it's close, will they give it to a freshman two years in a row? I kind of don't think the so. The thing that might hold him back is Hudson on his own team. Yeah. Like if, if, if Boston University yes. is as good as they have been so far, um, they might give it to Hudson because he was finals last year and he's having a really good year again this year. I, I think that I think the difference is I don't think Hudson is far and away the best defenseman in college hockey this year. Like statistically, Casey's having a better year, but I think it, it is nice that like the three highest scoring defensemen in the NCAA period are on this U.S. team. Was um, yeah, because Fantilli 
correct me if I'm wrong, that was Michigan, correct? And was that correct. the year yeah. that Michigan had three like their their whole top line was the in the whole or no, no, that was the year before. Uh, Fantilli was last oh, year. Okay, what am I thinking of then? Yeah. Time flies. The year before is when they had like the three top five picks, and that was the year yeah. that they backed out of the Western Michigan. Oh, because yeah, they, yeah. they were. Yep, that's right. that. The thing that yeah. eventually got Mel Pearson so. fired. Yeah, one of, well, one that of the and, things that that yeah. and the Strauss Man so. thing. Yeah, yeah. There was a laundry list of of things. There, so, but uh, prediction. We're gonna hold you to it. Uh, yeah. One second, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna plug oh, in my computer. He's, yeah. he's, he needs some juice. So you're going, Weldy. We're thinking we want predictions for who's gonna win the whole yeah. ball of wax for this. Well, as as we're tap dancing here uh, for our guest, where who are you thinking? Are you gonna go? That team red, white, and blue. That's always my pick in this tournament. Uh, America, and, yeah, FM. that's always my pick in this tournament because I do feel that this tournament is the most exciting hockey. Not, you know, necessarily the best played, but I think it's got you know just pound for pound the most exciting, the most action, and you know, mistakes lead to scoring chances, which lead to a lot of action, and I think that's what I really love about this tournament. And, um, but, um, you know, Jake talking about, you know, the forward depth and, um, puck moving defensemen. I don't think you can have too many of them. So that's, uh, I'm picking USA in, uh, going undefeated throughout the tournament and winning. So here's what I will say. I have been watching this tournament since 2013. I have never seen Sweden win the tournament. Sweden's last one was 2012. They have become known. You're not going to go in the team Sweden here on this for, for choking in the big moments. Let me let me say this. <laughs> so, in order for me to pick Sweden, I'm going to have to see Sweden win. Oh. I'm not doing it this year. I'm saying the U. I'm saying the U.S. gets gold. Um, and uh, and beating Sweden in in, the in their home country in the final. In the final. Just like it was the first year that I that I watched uh, the tournament when when the U.S. beat Sweden uh, in the 2013 final in Russia, the the lockout year. I'm saying U.S. gets gold number six of this tournament, um, and I'm and if that happens, obviously I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. I'm going to make it a clean sweep if that was uh, surprising, but I, I just looking at this U.S. roster, I know that before the show we were waxing poetic about prior rosters for these world junior teams. And, you know, at world junior time, uh, looking back at the previous rosters and we littered with all these NHL stars on these teams. And it's kind of their, their coming out party as like national nationally known hockey prospects. And so it's not like, but, but what I'm saying, like this year's roster, I'm looking at this roster. I'm like, I already know how good these guys are. Like, I don't even need to be persuaded about them. I'm not going to say that this is like the best roster the U.S. has ever put out there, but I think it's up there uh, talent-wise, just from a pure skill standpoint. And yeah, I think that I'm going to say Canada might be a little bit down. I don't think they're like as as great as they have been. And so, yeah, I, I think that the toughest part I think will be because I think Sweden's going to have a good tournament based on they're going to be in their own backyard. So 
I, I like that pick. I'm not going to copy you completely. They're going to have to play Sweden sometime in the uh, Sweden's in the getting upset line. somewhere along the um, line. But I mean, like if it ends up the U.S. is one and Canada, Sweden is one two, then they're going to play one of them in the semi okay. and one of them in the final. Um, and I'm going to say the U.S. beats both of them. I'm going to say they have a tougher time with Canada than they do with Sweden, even if they play Sweden in the final. But, uh, you know, I don't think I've, – I've never seen a bad World Junior Championship game. Even You know, even games that have, you know, a multi-goal score at the end, they're all competitive. Like, a lot of these games are absolute classics. Um, And I, I remember – the like the 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 2010 game although I did not watch this cuz I was not around at the time but I've gone back and watched it since the US won 6-5 over Canada in overtime uh the great 5-4 game over Canada in 2017 with that ended in a shootout uh they don't even have shootouts in the uh IHF championship games anymore uh because Canada complained about that one um well he's a big fan <laughs> of shootouts uh, I know you don't listen to the show regularly, but he's a big fan of shootouts. A recent convert, but he's a big fan. Well, I like I'm. I always say you play by the rules in front of you. So, I, however, it takes for the U.S. to win. That's right. I've seen World Junior victories. I've seen that Olympic women's victory. When did uh, they change that? I'll, would have been the year after 2017. Uh, I think it would have changed it after the 2018 Women's Olympics. So what do they just play unlimited overtimes at this point? Yeah, yes, and they do it three on three. Like really? In, in the in the women's U eighteen tournament in in twenty, they played like the U.S. and Canada played a very deep overtime before the U.S. finally won, and they played three on three that whole time. And I'm like, God, these people have to be absolutely crazy. Was it a twenty minute period? 20 minute overtime. Yeah. And I think, you know, let me make sure, but it, it probably went 16, 17, 18 minutes before it ended. Uh, let me just impressive. Let me just make three sure three to last that long. If they're playing an ECAC yep. game there, uh, they would have each gotten a half point <laughs> after the final mark. So. so that, that, that game, uh, the U S and Canada on the goal by Kiara Zanin ended 16, 52 into overtime. And which so, year yeah. was that? The, the 2020. Okay. Zannon. Women's U18. So. Now on Ohio State, I believe. Yep, that's right. Penn State transfer. So, yeah, um, it should be an interesting uh, term. And as they always are, we were discussing before the show, and we should maybe throw it out there for some of our fans who are intrigued by this. Um, if you're relatively new to the U20s uh, World, World Junior Championships, we can watch these games um, through NHL Network, the official provider, at least stateside, of these games. Where, how do we get NHL Network? That's always the lovely question. No, does anybody have an idea where Who I can get NHL Network? Point? And anyone, I'm giving anyone a wide berth here to step in with a sweary sort of well pg rated at least rant about why these games can be on something else than nhl bleeping network so when i started watching this tournament we had nhl network because we had verizon fios at that time and that continued up until my parents uh 
wanted to move to uh, a little bit closer to the beaches of Connecticut, which they actually exist. Burr. Um, <laughs> now that we ha- now now that we have uh, YouTube TV, we don't get NHL Network, and I think uh, the last two years I've had to watch uh, the tournament. On, on hockey, which is illegal. Don't do it. Wink, but, wink, uh, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, 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 nudge. Yeah. Put an ad blocker on and, and cruise at your risk. It, you know, it, it, it sucks. And um, it's really not the way to do this. Like, I I think, uh, did, did we have we a question did. from a uh, listener coming in about you know, this? Dan Jacobson, um, shocker. Um but um, obviously a really good question because this has been my hang up over the years that you got to make, like when I say that this is the most exciting hockey, I mean, I think this is the type of tournament that could really convert fans. And if you have it gatekeeped onto yeah. NHL network, which is on like tier four or five of any cable package, it's not even on like an extended sports package. It's like buried with, that and then obviously they're not going to stream the games anywhere um you know nhl or hockey in general is just kind of shooting itself in the own their own foot when it comes to it but yeah dan jacobson's question would the world junior championships be better off streaming on espn plus uh versus nhl network so just strictly a streaming service versus um a buried cable service let, let me find a way to answer this question. Um, okay, yes. there we go. Absolutely, because uh, that means I would be able but, to watch it without any extra you know, step. You, you could be unselfish and do both. No. Like, if you don't want to, if, you, if you're a person who doesn't happen to have ESPN+, Plus, you know, but you do have NHL Network, yeah, no problem showing on NHL Network. I mean, NHL Network does do uh, their own broadcast for the U.S. games. Um, my my buddy Steven Nelson used to uh, do the games before he left for the Dodgers. But didn't we have some like, Starman? Was he like yeah, pushed out of through. the World Juniors? Did he do the World Juniors last year? Or I thought there he, was some controversy. He's, he, yeah, he's done the World Juniors most of the time I've been watching. I actually met him uh, a couple months ago. And uh, in person yeah. uh, impressions yeah. of the Starman. <laughs> Same same guy in person as he is me. on TV. I said hi to him. I, I think I may have even shook his hand when I was I was at a BC game. This was like five, six years ago now, but he was there. Oh, Huskies look great. So that was my that was my best thing, Starman yeah, yeah. impression. Just imagine my I mean, hair slicked back. At that time. <laughs> I mean, like he, he he is an assistant coach for a team in, in the North American three hockey league. And I I do a few games of uh, uh, my organizations and they've come to to where we are. So, uh, so I've met him a couple of times. I've actually handed him uh, my team's so lineup a couple with, times. with that, I know you're, but, uh, you're big into the uh, commentating scene. You like to kind of rank commentators and announcers and play by plays. Where would you, where would you put the star man yeah. when it comes to it? I mean, like star man serves a certain type uh, of fan and you know, the, the the guy who definitely has a scouting background and wants you to know that, but I actually you know like his insight for. Let me let me say that the the state of college hockey commentary <laughs> is not always great. Um, Thoughts on Gino Parrish and in, 
and uh, and and lots of uh, places, particularly out east where I live, uh, feel low budget. Like if you if if you if you're watching a hockey east game and it's not on Nesson, um, there feels there 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 seems to be something lacking to it. And this is not a slight against any of the broadcasters in particular. It's just you're sure. not given enough resources. Uh, so like what I miss about watching more Western games and, you know, I try and see as many Minnesota games as I can, and I try and keep in touch and who the American prospects are. So, but I, uh, so I, I try and do my job, but like what I appreciate about CBS and, you know, and BTN is it, it at least feels like uh, maybe not the ideal college hockey game should, but like, it feels like, oh, like I'm definitely watching a Division One game here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, we we have fun about Starman, but uh, in general, I'll take him over over a lot yeah. of announcers. And some, like you know, I we I've been really uh, scraping the well here of Big Ten Plus. I, I think there's a, a a bit of a chasm between regular Big Ten Network and Big Ten Plus when it yeah. comes to the announcing. There was even a game earlier yeah. this year, a Michigan State Ohio State game that literally had no announcers <laughs> like they just, it was just the video and he, there was no announcers at all, which I would some kind of, sometimes I prefer that over the announcers that we do get sometimes. Um, but like, I, I mean, I, I've talked to Dan Kelly plenty and I've, you know, listened a lot to Ben Holden and Jason Ross and the guys at BTN. Uh, I think in, in terms of play by play, I, I generally like where it is at, at the national level. Uh, the pros for, and four. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and and Butcher Gross is a lot better than he was 10 years ago. Based I would agree with that. So I, I, was, I said that on I would, Yeah, I would say he's year. a lot better than he was like five years ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think, I think he does keep getting better, but like, is he at the point where you, where you want the frozen four announcer to be? I don't think he is. And at least I've, I've heard, because I, I would only hear Colby Cohen and uh, Raycroft. I would only hear them at the Frozen Four the last couple of years. But I've been seeing that they've been they've been getting them some action on these ESPN Plus regular season games. Yeah. So it's nice to get them some some practice during the regular and I season. Think, and I think Butcher Gross is a big reason for that. I think he's actually pushing for more games there. Um, and, you know, now the women's tournament's on ESPN and you have Clay Matvick with AJ uh, Molesto, Saint, who yeah, I think is going to state's Woo, own Clay Matvick. Yeah. And I, I think Malesko is a great analyst. Um, but I, you know, in, in the, in the men's college hockey ranks in particular, I wish, you know, we had more um, analysts who played college hockey. Cause that makes it feel like the other sports have even like the, you know, baseball or volleyball or lacrosse. Not like I, I, I'm not the only person who shares the opinion that uh the lacrosse, the lacrosse tournament is, is the best slate of NCAA announcers going. Um, but I, I wish, you know, it weren't, you know, X guy who played in the CHL or X guy who like w- was in and out of the lineup for X division one team. I, I wish you'd have more guys with the acumen of, of Colby Cohen or, or Pat Micheletti who, who like do have, 
the legitimacy of, of being like college stars because I we feel need, that's we what need more Doug Boog. Not that I think is actually what we're <laughs> that that might be a little dated. Uh, that may... Rest in peace. R.I.P. Yep, exactly. to the Wooger. Uh, maybe a little bit dated for you, Jake. So sorry about that. Uh, I, I know <laughs> just, enough. Just I, if you I, Google I... Woogisms. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm, oh, I, I'm, on, I'm on GPL true. all the time. There's a Woogisms page. <laughs> yeah, There's a exactly. Woogisms page there. Like in, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, uh, the, as a Minnesota fan, Definitely more games are available than any other team in the country for me to watch. So it's so weird because I, I keep hearing Minnesota like sports personalities say, God, I, I just never can find the, the Gophers anymore. I, I was so used to Fridays at yeah, 7 p.m. on MSC and I don't have that anymore. So I'm not even going to be a fan. I'm not even going to follow them anymore. That's why I hear so much on, on uh, 1500 or. Well, now that, now that the, now that Bally's gone and you know, you'd know more about that living there than, than I would. Uh, it, it definitely is. Yeah. Now they're bumping the Huskies off. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. Of yeah. They're on Fox nine plus my brother who doesn't even have cable. He can watch them now because they're on Fox. I must plus. say I'm a big Jim Rich fan. I'm a big Jim. I got, I've got thoughts. I want him to understand overtime is, is actually my whole goal. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, He struggles with that. Which again, make it a lot easier, but then that goes into the whole shootout. And I don't want to, you know, unearth that argument again. Um, But when it comes to, um, you know, the commentating and yeah, I do really feel that, you know, you're, you hit it right on the head when it comes to like having more ex players who are impactful college players. Um, I just, I just feel like so many of them have so much like personality beaten out of them by hockey culture and that, you know, you, you know, they, they still have, they're, they're just boring. They're just boring people. Bedard is boring. Mm-hmm. Crosby, boring. Yeah. David, pretty boring. Like we don't have any flashy. They found that out pretty quickly with Bedard when they were interviewing him after every single shift. <laughs> For his first two weeks in the NHL, they gave that up because they're like, we've already we've gotten everything that he's got. He, he doesn't have anything more. So yeah, no, it's it's why I definitely see you know every time there's a new right switch in the NHL, the the same guys like you know Joe Micheletti and Darren Pang keep getting chances and them not uh, trusting you know the new blood of NHL analysts. Holy who some jumping. of them I think are very good. Uh, that's exactly what was in my head when you said Darren Pang. I'm I'm not a Pang fan, and I I think I've made that perfectly clear. But uh, would you would you rank the Michelettis? Where would you like, put, where would you rank the Michelettis? I, I mean, like the the problem with Joe Micheletti right now is you'd want someone younger. Like I I think I think Ray Ferraro does a great job. I think uh, you know I like Brian Boucher. No, these these aren't guys who played college hockey. But like there are NHL analysts out there who did, uh, and I, you know, maybe maybe they because you know they've had NHL spots, they might be seen as having surpassed the college level, which is fair. But like, like out here, I I, I do enjoy Andrew Raycroft, but the the fact is he did not play college hockey, and he's you know now being seen as and, and let, let me not take this as like in the elitist method that I'm that it definitely sounds right now 
but like I look at you know using lacrosse as an example, I think of the the, the analysts they have, Quint Kesnick and Paul Carcaterra, who are both impact players on national championship teams at very good lacrosse schools. And like the now that Barry Melrose is, you know, unfortunately his uh, his illness has taken away his career and. I'd like to see more guys in the position that that Colby Cohen um, was in jump into, and, and you're right. There's definitely a personality divide, but uh, divide. But like, if you're X amount of years removed from, you know, your playing career, I, I, I think you can get that level back in you. Like, as long as you get like the the sure. the enough reps like how many guys are there in in you know ex-college hockey players who live in boston or live in minnesota or live in detroit like there are so many you you could try out and i i think it's you know i i think um it's kind of lazy that it's just left up to espn to try and figure um anyway um uh, a question that I forgot to ask. So let's go. Let's go back to the fish story here. So anyway, the infamous fish story. Um, let's say USA wins gold. Um, here and mm-hmm. um, where would you kind of rank this team as a possibility of ending up versus some of the other gold medal winning teams that uh, USA has, or even right now, where would you kind of rank them in as in terms of hype? I don't want to set expectations too early. Um, you know, I think th- that 17 team, I think really, even missing guys in the NHL, I think, you know, Austin Matthews was in the NHL by that point, and uh, Noah Hannafin and a couple of others. Um, but that team really felt like the best team in, in the tournament. And I think... 21, the the lockout team, even though they were missing Jack Hughes, that to me felt like the best team. And that was probably the most satisfying win to me because Canada felt unbeatable. They had some absurd goal differential and the U.S. just did not let them get in front of the net. And it was a, a perfectly played game plan by Nate Lehman. I I can't say where they slot uh, yet. Like, because if, if they do like a 13 team and have to really pull them off the ground before going on some kind of run. You know, we'll, we'll see if that happens. If, if they finish undefeated, I think there's go- going to be legitimate talk about, is this the greatest uh, U.S. team uh, ever to participate at this tournament? And I think, it, you know, it's a fair shot to make. But uh, 17 and 21, I think 04 were the ones who finished undefeated. Let me put it this way, like, is this team good enough where, let's say, failing to make the title game, is that going to be considered a disappointment? Wow. Yes. All right. Failing to win the whole thing, is that going to be a disappointment? Maybe not. One game um, is always but tough. But I, I, you know, I don't think the U.S. is at a point where they can yeah. expect gold every year. I, at the U18s, where they went, you know, a few years without winning – I think not winning the gold is a disappointment at, at the, at the world juniors where, you know, it's still Canada's tournament. Um, I, I think 
you can't have the expectation that the U.S. is going to win every year. But you, you're at the point where you you have to win a medal every year, I would think. One final question before we move on to just touching on some women's hockey and yeah, you know, NCAA hockey. So, yeah, we're, we're at now we're, you know, 15 plus here. Jay, well, just early we, for it's us. early for us, but you're on the East Coast. So, Jay, you okay if we keep going? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how long your episodes go, but I, you know, I can. We cross two hours. I can, more I can than talk we about this. Like. <laughs> okay. It's probably our average. Yeah, no, I, my, my, I mean, I, I'm right now living, uh, 20, 25 minutes away from my office and I don't have to be in All until right. 10. So I'm good. All right. So we're, we're not keeping it too bad uh, up, up past your bedtime too much. I want to ask you this is now is uh, who it was. Dennis Williams was, was Canada's coach last year at the juniors. Yeah. I believe is he yeah. still the coach? No, uh, the, the coach is a guy named Alan Latang. Um, now, but I want what I want to ask you is I know Canada the model for at least Canada versus the U.S. is different. Where U.S. is every year you got a different head coach, a different staff, whereas Canada the, will carry over staffs, and other countries I mean, will the, too. The U.S. Is, has, I, I think, in recent times, repeated coaches when they've won gold. Right, I guess Matsko oh, was a was a back and Lehman too. Lehman was so Lehman did twenty one and twenty two, or was yeah, he twenty twenty one? He was twenty one twenty two. Okay, so if you win it. Yeah. You'll be yeah. like, you can come back. You know, I would have actually had an argument for for Hastings coming in, coming back in twenty, but they did not do that. Um, I, I was just kind of gauging what you think about that model. I, as you mentioned, there are um, exceptions to the rule for U.S. switching it up every year, but you know, other countries do tend to have a little bit more consistency with their staffs. Yeah. Do you have a preference, um, or do you like kind of how the U.S. does it? I like how the U.S. does it. Now, um, Mott's going year two and Lehman in year two did not do well. Uh, I think uh, in Moscow's case, he still got a bronze out of it, mm-hmm. but I didn't like how, how the, the second Pale, teams were Paling set up. Was on that second I don't team, think right? on the surface. Ryan Palin what? was on that team on the 18. Yeah. He, I, he, he, he might've, he was definitely on that um 19 team with Hastings. Cause he was standing right in front of the net when Finland scored the winning goal. Yeah. Uh, we're aware. <laughs> we don't remember that though. I think, no. I think he was on both teams. Yeah. Um, I'm not on the surface against repeating coaches, especially if uh, the coaches do a good job, which, you know, Motsko and Lehman definitely earned it. But I think, you know, if you're now that they're going to the current college coach model, which I agree with, you you want to build up uh, the next level. I think there are a number of guys who deserve to be considered. And, and the one guy who hasn't been there yet, who I think uh, should, is Greg Carvel. Sure. Um, Has he ever been even an assistant? Has he ever been no, on think, any staff? I think he was an assistant way back when. Okay. Um, yeah, we're just mentioning he, like him getting all these European players. Like he's he's got the ability to get guys from other places and great coach. I I agree with that endorsement. I you know I I thought Pecknold was the right guy last year. I think you know the way he set up the defense last year really wasn't great, but I don't think he was the reason why, why the U S didn't advance to the, to the title game. You know, the defense pool was tough as it is. Pecknell just didn't help himself there. I wanted David Carl this year. Um, and I guess now I'm going to see how he does. And if he wins or if, 
you know, they, they take silver and he does a good job. I'd think about bringing him back. I think it's too early to say, if not, Carvel's the next guy I want. And I, I like the U S strategy, you know, take a college coach and, you know, if, if you want to, uh, bring a guy back later on, you can do it. Uh, I didn't like Scott Sandlin's second go around at all. I thought that was re- the twenty team was really done in by coaching. And no, you know, no, we can disrespect him coach, on this podcast. All, all for it. Yeah, no, <laughs> safe, <laughs> safe space. For that. We don't, we don't care yeah, for how. I, I thought, I thought he, and sorry to uh, Dan Jacobson on yeah, that. I, I thought he didn't, do, <laughs> but like, um, I, I think that the real turning point to get the college coaches in there was the one year when. Uh, the U.S. brought Ron Wilson back from the dead to uh, to coach the team in 16, and they left Kyle Connor off the roster the, the one year of college he played. Uh, and I think that really led to the to the change in strategy. Moscow came in the next mm-hmm. year, and they won gold. They I, went a couple well, of weird ones. I mean, Housley did it one year, yeah, too. Yeah, he actually had a pretty good – did they win the whole thing? We won the whole was thing. Silver? Okay. Yeah. And I know he had a good tournament, but that was, that was a pick that I kind of came out of nowhere too, because yeah. And the year before really Wilson was Marco Sneaky back when he was coaching okay. in the AHL. Okay. Yeah. So they went, they went a little rogue there. Uh, oh, yeah, had I plenty of college between, experience, but not at that time. In between then it was Lucia in 14. So yeah, I think the, the year Hastings was, was the coach. He was the, the second choice. Uh, Cause David Quinn initially accepted the job and then, left for the Rangers. Okay. So they, they've all, yeah. Where would you say the chances of uh, our own Brett Larson getting the head job? I mean, the second time he's been assistant, correct? And yeah. he had the assistant gig at the Olympics in 22. So he's put I in think, some, some time as yeah. an assistant with the international teams. I think if St. Cloud keeps doing well, he'll get his shot. I would say not yet. Although I'd, I'd give him an assistant job as many times as he feels comfortable. As for the head job, not yet, but maybe one day and probably one day. Yeah, and we guys kind of blew over this. I mean, no St. Cloud players this year, obviously. Just the one NCHC player with Booyam because one of the last cuts was at uh, Lavage. Yeah, I can't say the name with with North Dakota. Such a shame that North Dakota doesn't doesn't have a player on there. A lot easier easier to root for them if no uh, (laughs) North Dakota guys are on. Yeah, so it uh, yeah, it's strange. NCHD has as much representation on this team as the CCHA does, uh, <laughs> which is uh, you can't say that yeah. too often. I mean, it's it's BC, BU, and the Big Ten basically is where you're picking this this team from, and so uh, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, this uh, you this conversation's really jacked me up for this tournament. Um, I'm, I'm it's, really it's my favorite time. It. It's my favorite time of the hockey calendar. Mm-hmm. I like it, and it's where I feel my most patriotic. And we can we can use this too to sort of recap a little bit of the first half of both the uh, men's side and the women's side. And you being a, a Gopher fan, we're not going to hold that against you too much right now. Um, but uh, we're we're not going to hold it right now. But we'll, like, yeah, we'll, in general, we still might. So you're you're go for you you bleed the maroon and gold. Not you're correct me if I'm wrong. Not a Minnesotan. No, well, I'm from Maryland. Why? Yeah, why? Explain the Gopher fandom just briefly. So in 08, 09, the Frozen Four was going to be held in DC, and I went. 
and I I saw the the Colby Cohen game. Um, I decided we call it the point, Miami the Miami meltdown, but yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know I'm Jewish, so there's some pride with Colby Cohen there. So was he, uh, did he score the winner, the two hopper? He scored the winner. Okay, that's right. right. Um, and. I think I decided in that 0809 team I wanted to start following college hockey. I was 12 years old at this time. Good lord! And it came down to who had the most games on television that I could watch, and that was Minnesota. So, for better or worse, I've been stuck with them ever since. So, uh, since I since I've moved up here to Connecticut, um, like the Quinnipiac game last year was very conflicting. Well, very conflicting in some ways to me because. I've, you know, I, I moved to Connecticut in, in 2016, but I, I had watched that Quinnipiac Yale final in 13. Yeah, I watched that and too. And so it became easy to get. <laughs> I had a good seat for, for that one. <laughs> and it became easy to go to Quinnipiac games, to go to Yale games, to go to UConn games. And I think, you know, since being here, both my parents are from Connecticut. I developed an, an affinity for, uh, for the the schools here and and the players who are from here but i i realized uh, around the time of last year's championship game that i wasn't ready to root for quinnipiac over minnesota so okay what part of connecticut are you at right now um so i'm i live around new haven or my parents do but are right there, now i'm working are in there Danbury, parts so. to connecticut <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like which one you're closer to i'm sure it's all kind of packed in tightly uh, it, so. It's a, it's definitely a small state, but like there's definitely a New York suburb versus rest of Connecticut uh, part of uh, I I do not well I guess now I work somewhat close to New York, but I I I, I definitely identify with uh, with the New Haven metro area. Good pizza there, I hear. Yes. New Haven pizza is a, yes. is a specialty. I'm, so I'm, have glad you... that, I'm glad that has uh, become known throughout the country uh, in the last you know number of years because uh, I've I've been coming to New Haven for pizza re- pizza related reasons since I was probably like six or seven years old. So hopefully I'll be able to try it now. one of these days. So have you been to some of those rinks? Like UConn's yeah. opened a new rink. I have not been to the new UConn rink yet. Um, I saw games when they were playing in Hartford. I've been plenty of times to Quinnipiac and Yale. I was just at Yale a couple weeks ago. Have you been to Sacred Hearts? Uh, Travis, big Sacred Heart fan on on this show. Have you been to the new barn there in in Fairfield? I have not. I've been meaning to. I've seen him play in Bridgeport. I've met Coach Maritolo a couple of times. Nice guy. I I like him because he's around my height. (laughs) That helps. Um, uh, yeah, a little Italian <laughs> men stick together. Yeah, I was reading, so I, I was looking at UConn's schedule, and I saw that they still have like four games in Hartford this year, and I'm like, well, they just opened a new See, building the, the, and stores. The, the and so I was doing some research. I, apparently the Connecticut State Legislature got involved, and they said you have to play a certain amount of games in, Hart, in Hartford. See, the, the, is the, problem with, the problem with Toscano is uh, – they built Toscano much smaller than it should have been. Like it, if, if so it they're, holds, they're selling out no problem there. Cause yeah, it's like 2,500 or something is the yeah, capacity. But like you should, it should have been, you know, a 3,500, 4,000 seat arena. I, I think 
you know, because it ends up smaller than Quinnipiac, and you know, Quinnipiac has packed the place as long as I've been going. Um, and like, I I understand UConn wants their own, but I think it was a, a supreme misstep making it like the smallest rink in Hockey East, especially with the kind of recruits that UConn's been getting lately. Yeah, and kind of a bit of a bit of a down year for them this year. I mean. Pretty yeah, close to the tournament I, last year, and I was expecting them all, to be maybe. Yeah, they were one goal away from the tournament in 22, and um, my my girlfriend right. went to Northeastern, so uh, so Northeastern got in, you know, was saved by UMass beating UConn in that game. So that was a uh, oh. was uh, not fun. <laughs> well, we could go on about Connecticut hockey for a while, but let's stick to the Gophers. Well, and... I, I just also so there, there is my explanation. Is my explanation good enough for how I became a fan just because they were the okay, well, like, games on TV? It's it's almost like that 7 p.m. <laughs> MSC argument. It's almost, the, I mean, it were Bally Sports or Fox Sports yeah. North or whatever at yeah. that time. So it it's, was, it's you're kind of feeding into that narrative. It was it was Fox Sports and BTN because, you know, I had Fox College Sports as a channel back when we had Fios. It was just like, like you know, this was before the, the, the mm-hmm. streaming days. So it's like, this is the team I can follow. You know, these are guys who eventually who can who get drafted, and you know, I'd find out later would play on the World Junior Team. It just it felt the most natural to me, and I understand that I I have drawn the ire of basically everyone else in the Midwest with my decision. But uh, you know, it's understandable because, it, it, like I said, you didn't have a ton of choices. It was either that or um, going to the uh, Anchorage feeds. <laughs> Which some of us did in uh, that in those years, uh, for their great commercials, that's what I did. especially. But, you know, uh, if I had lived in, if I had lived in Connecticut my whole childhood, um, I I would probably be rooting for someone up here. Just and look, I do want Quinnipiac to do well. I do want UConn to do well. I'm I'm sick of I, for UConn. It's it's a it's a Husky thing. Like I, I root for other Huskies, so. I want you. I'm sick of St. Cloud losing to Quinnipiac. Um, so that, yeah, that can, that can stop. stop. Well, speak, how about this for a transition? So you've talked about the Gophers and we'll get, we'll get back to them, but so I want to, let's talk about some women's hockey. Cause, um, or do you follow UConn women's hockey at all? Because I was going to say, pretty decent year. And for yeah, their, I, for Hockey East's basically auto bid only league this year, they have as good a shot of anyone. Uh, to make the tournament that year or this year. Understandable. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just don't have any offense. I mean, they don't have any offense left. Yeah. Yeah, is it the is it the downfall of the hockey east or is it more the rise of the ECAC as the Supreme League of I mean I think the ECAC has never has never accurately, you know, 
the way people yeah. view the ECAC on the men's side is not right. really ever an ac- accurate representation of how it was on the women's side. You know, because Clarkson's mm-hmm. pulled off Natty's, Colgate's been in the title game. I, I think just now it, it's more pronounced that like the Beanpot schools outside of Northeastern have really had their downfall and, and the rest of Hockey East hasn't been doing a ton. And, and I think that's opened the doors for schools like Vermont and UConn to maybe climb in. And I think BC's having a better year this year. But, I, I you know, the ECAC's recruited Ontario, which is, you know, maybe the best population center for women's hockey that there is very well. Um, you know, basically the same way that the WCHA recruits Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, maybe New England's had a bit of a downfall. I'm not sure if that's true. It could be. It, it, it Hockey East has become kind of mid in, in recent years, especially once you get past like the top team. And now I think it's really at the lowest point in, Something right. needs to change. Maybe it. Maybe it is changing. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm. I'm. I hope. I hope UConn makes it this year. Well, That'll be fun. It's always nice yeah. to get some new new blood, and they have a really good goalie, if I'm not mistaken. Like one of the better. Yeah, I, one of the better numbers. Again, it's yeah, a lesser it, league. So. Chan was with Team China back in 22. Well, yeah. I think that's what was, you know, what really stuck out to me. She was on Team China at the uh, at the Olympics. Yep. Would that have been with? Was Adolski Adolski was coaching in China, but he was, was he wasn't a national coach, was he? I know he was he was uh, coaching I don't think China. So. Wasn't it, wasn't it uh, Elander? I don't. I'm not sure, but he said China, and I, I thought that he it. may have been the coach at that Olympics for them. But I know he's coaching maybe. some, so maybe not the national team, but I know he's coaching in China for some in some capacity. But anyway, maybe that can transition us to the West uh, in in women's college hockey in the WCHA. You know. My co-host on this show a couple weeks ago, I think he called the Gophers. He, they're kind of mid, I think was his exact quote. Um, Respond. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say they're mid because, like, if, if I thought that was a little days, a little extreme. That's. I think. Like, that, I think it's a dip. Mid I think by, it, it's a. It's a dip context. from what we've come to come to know. Like mid by Gopher women's hockey standards is still a top five team in the country. Maybe that's so, what he but, was he was he was getting. But at. I think they're a step below Wisconsin and Ohio State this time around. Yeah, and uh, that's what we sort of we agreed on that as well. And um, really, this year, obviously, you lose players like Taylor Heisey and and Grace Zumwinkle, and you know some very underrated players like Abby Breen. You're going to lose a little. I don't think I expected them to be as reliant on the top line as they have been. I I I haven't really been a fan of the Minnesota women's defense in a few years now. Um, I don't I don't think they've like obviously nobody has a Caroline Harvey except Wisconsin or or, or like a, a Sophie Jakes in previous right. years, but. Like I think Minnesota's lacked that player maybe since Lee Steckline, and that's hurt. Even if they've had pretty good goaltending, Skyler Vetter's a very good goalie. Lucy Morgan's having a great year, but the team is carried so much by by that line, the top line of uh, 
Bouvang, Huber, and Murphy, Murphy, especially Abby Murphy, who's... Oh, we're going to know her quite well. Yeah. She can't score on St. Cloud State, so it doesn't matter. So that's... And and that's and that's what's gonna happen. They 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 need to get that depth scoring, and they need to get some defensive scoring, or you know their their season is going to end. Uh, n- no, uh, no later than the Frozen Four. And that seems I, to be what what what's separating them from Wisconsin and Ohio State, namely is is that scoring depth. Yeah. I think. I mean, they played. They played those teams pretty well this year. I mean, aside from the the last loss or the last game in the in the first half year, the loss against Wisconsin, you know, you had two competitive games against Ohio State. You lost both of them, one in Ohio, one in overtime. But yeah. you know, played well, Ohio Skyler State pretty Vetter well. Just, Skyler Vetter just went God mode that Ohio State series. So they don't they had no don't call her daughter out. as we call you know the the daughter <laughs> of, of Eddie Vetter had the song named after her, and yeah. so we 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 like to. Um, I, I listen. I listen to rock radio as a kid. I know the song. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I just I I don't like to see the shots of Eddie Vedder in the crowd so often. It's like we get it. You say it once, and then you move along. We don't need to keep continuing. You know, it's like Taylor Swift around. cam, but Eddie Vedder. Anyway, <laughs> that's right. Uh, and yeah, sorry, Skyler Vedder's heard of Pearl Jam. I don't know. It's <laughs> a good. It's a good question. <laughs> Like she was born in two thousand three. There, there, it could be fifty fifty. Well, no, that can't be because that song came out in nineteen ninety one, and it was about her. So I, I, I don't know I don't, if I like. I, the I don't know what Frost is yeah. doing there with uh, eligibility requirements and being able to keep it under. Yeah, yeah he's got this thirty two year old. Uh, oh, I mean, I mean, like if if uh, Lee Steckline could, or, or sorry, if Amanda Kessel could play like into her forties yeah. with, with the Gophers. Out. So there would you, you yeah. like? So, you talk about um, you said you said Heinesy, right? Heisey, I'm sorry. Heisey, um, Heisey, yeah. Now, like, would you like as far as like go for female hockey players? Would you put her on like a Mount Rushmore? And and then, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been following the team probably since kind of the end of that undefeated season they had in thirteen. I, I didn't pick them up as quickly as I did the men because like I wasn't yeah, finding I those mean, games in Maryland. Uh, but I, you know, especially with the, with the Olympics going on 14 that like, I, I think of players like Kessel, who, you know, when she came back and, and they won the title in 16, Hannah Brandt was a, was a great go for, um, you know, obviously the, the success that Steckline has had on the Olympic team and, you know, eventually players like Kelly Panic. I think Heisey's right up there with, with, like with yeah. with like Kessel, but did um, she and the fact she, she didn't win the title, they, right? What? So yeah, no. That I was I'm about to say this, and the fact that they did not win a title with her really has me, and, and really didn't get screwed out of one either. I I was actually at the 2019 championship game, yeah, when it was at Quinnipiac. I think the the expectations for for Minnesota should be a lot higher than that. And, you know, you, if you, if you waste the careers of Heisey and Abby Murphy with, who are two of the greatest gopher players I've ever seen. And I know like eventually there's talk about when, whenever Chloe Primerano comes in, uh, mm-hmm. the, the top Canadian recruiters do it in a couple of years, like they're, they're getting the talent, but they, it's not like they've been 
choking. They've they've lost because they've been outplayed. And that that is frustrating to see. Eh, no. Like I, I understand like if they if they were ch- <laughs> For me, well, if they if they were choking, it would be frustrating in a different way. But like, just, wait, we're getting to the men's team. <laughs> just just hold Speaking on for choking. <laughs> but like, yeah, the, you have players, you have like these singular players who become college superstars, and you know, it's 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 entirely possible, you know, that they hold Murphy's play style against her. But you have like Patty Kazmaier caliber players you know, basically nonstop for a while and, and you can't win with that. What you can't win you can't finish the job. Sure. Uh, that, that now, does sucks. she does Andy Murphy always just play ticked off or is that her play style or do Okay, yes. gotcha. Yes. <laughs> like you, you like the with the way the US played the rivalry series games, Murphy gets under everybody's skin. Like yeah. it was it was you don't see Americans really play like that very much. It's been like a Canadian thing. Um, I guess Abby Rock at Wisconsin was kind of like that, but like Murphy brings that to a new level, and everyone goes after her, and a lot of you know players hate her because, and, and yeah. like she's not very big either. Yes, uh, yeah, because she um, plays like that. Because I mean, I know like her and Himlerova when when Saint Cloud played, like they had quite a few tussles especially at Ritter uh, that's one thing that mm-hmm. I really noticed but I think during the rivalry series like her and Marie Fulan really kind of jar back and forth with each other I absolutely absolutely love Canada USA women's hockey it's god they hate each other so mm-hmm. much it's I just wish yep. they wouldn't have had that game at mullet on Wednesday night if it was on a weekend yeah. I would have gone it was just a bad night for I just I midweek. I got to I, they played a rivalry series game in Hartford back in nineteen, and I went to that, and that was actually quite a bit of fun. Anytime you get uh, international hockey, I'm especially U.S. Canada, like sign me up, but put on a weekend. Yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on U.S. Canada, and I think Canada's been winning the physical battle, and you know that's why they've come away with the wins. The U.S. did get the win at Worlds last year, but. Like Canada has had the better U18 teams of late. And I think that's, you know, they have more nasty players. And I think you need to even the playing field. And I think that's where someone like Murphy comes in. Someone who does not shy away from anything, Uh, perhaps to her detriment at times, but does not shy away from anything. Being kind of this outsider perspective, you know, watching some games, um, you know, obviously where St. Cloud State is right now, we're really battling minnesota duluth um uh, for the for yeah. that home playoff series because it's pretty much set in stone right now that these two are going to be the matches um unless something kind of miraculous kind of happens that um like as as you know kind of seeing these two teams um you know do you have any insight on you know kind of what you think i thought St. Cloud is a little bit ahead of Duluth, and obviously I'm biased when it comes to that. And the fact that Adolski's turnaround of this program has come so quickly, um, maybe I'm drinking a lot of the Kool-Aid of it. But like, I just I don't know if you're able to watch these those um, you know Minnesota games against both teams. But like, what what were you know kind of some of your thoughts? 
I'm able to watch enough. I I have been so impressed with how Adolski has turned around, you know, a program that, you know, maybe people thought at some point that like Mankato or St. Thomas was going to pass yeah. him. And Adolski said, well, this team's, this team's not, we, we want to be, you know, the best team in, in the WCHA. And while I don't think that's the case, I think they're an easy NCAA tournament th- team this year. And like Adolski hasn't even got his recruits yet. And I, I know how, you know, from, from the later years of his time in North Dakota, what his teams play like, and he's building them that same way at, at St. Cloud. I've been so impressed. And obviously, you know, the, the year that a hole has had and, uh, you know, having a one B like show back that, that team, I'm, I'm not going to go and say they're a problem, but they can be a real pain in the ass for anybody who is, you know, in that, in that top three. And I think, you know, Duluth is a team they should be competing against. Who's better right now? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, if if I play St. Cloud in, in the WCHA tournament, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be happy. So are you thinking, so right now we got five WCHA teams that would make the tournament, five right. in the top seven, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um. Are we thinking that's going to hold like five WCHA teams and three ECAC teams? Or are we thinking maybe a fourth ECAC team is going to knock one of those WCHA teams off? The ECAC is beating the crap out of each, out of each other all yeah. year. And I think Colgate uh, and like Colgate's been good for a bit. Clarkson and Cornell are, are good. Quinnipiac's good. You know, St. Lawrence, I guess, you know, Princeton, yeah. Like the ECAC top to bottom is 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 very competitive and, and very good. I I think really it's about who keeps winning and like are are the top three in the WCHA gonna beat on St. Cloud and Duluth the way the ECAC teams are, are pounding on each other and that's gonna determine exactly uh where the split lies between the two teams. By the way I just checked Tia Chan, the uh Yukon goalie was on the Olympic team and which was coached by Brian Adolski. Oh, wow. He did hmm. coach Team China in the 22 Olympics. So he's got – there was a Husky connection to the Yukon Huskies even. So, yeah, I – what do you think of uh, – I just briefly, have you watched much of Clarkson this year? Undefeated, hasn't lost. They've had a couple of ties. Um, but haven't played Colgate yet, right. which is the best team out of uh, – the other right. – great team in that league the other sort of lock to make the tournament uh, in ECAC so far yeah and I mm-hmm. think as a gopher fan like the, the one player in the country they're really missing is the person who transferred out Andrzejkowski um who just got called up by Canada for the rivalry series and you know you see the 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 team that Clarkson has players like Swiderski I think they're a good team I I still think even Colgate who i, I I've known to be good for a bit and as a great goaltending situation of their own. I th- still think they're a cut below at least Wisconsin and possibly Ohio state as well. So you're expecting um, and, an all West final this year. If, if the mat, if like whatever the tournament format turns out that way, I expect Wisconsin to win at least. I, I, I still, now that Harvey's healthy again, you think Wisconsin's the team to beat nationally? I, I think Wisconsin's the team to beat nationally. If 
even if <clears throat> now eventually uh, they they need to realize that McNaughton is the best goalie on the roster. Well, I think that's their big question mark is who's their goaltending. I think it's a big question mark. I, I, I know like maybe you're uncomfortable giving the reins to a freshman, but like, I think McNaughton's the best goalie on the roster, but I, I think Wisconsin, you think about the forwards. I still think Caroline Harvey is the best player in the country. And uh, like we've been debating this in the last couple of weeks. And I think me and Travis were both thinking that Ohio state has a slight edge. Now they swept Wisconsin earlier this year, but that yeah. was without Harvey. And mm-hmm. which obviously is a big, a big loss for them. We sort of said Wisconsin's the flashier, deeper offensive team. Ohio state's a little bit better structure and defensively. Um, I think it's a real tight comparison. I, I would still favor Ohio state, but I, if you're going to take yeah. Wisconsin, I'm not going to argue with that too much. Like I, I like this Ohio State team, and you know they they were so mad about uh, losing last year to a Wisconsin team that was worse than them. Yeah, um, but they said we're gonna. I was so waiting. I just wanted that go for Ohio State matchup in the final. I think that's. I think a lot yeah. of people were were wanting for that. Yeah, just well, Wisconsin I, came I in there and spoiled the whole party for everybody. I remember watching that uh, that game on um, on my girlfriend's television, uh, and uh, the the puck that banked wet the Weathington shot that banked in off of Lamantia, and it's like. Okay, they're bringing it to overtime. Anything can happen. I still didn't think they were a better. Uh, I thought they were a better team than Wisconsin, you know, at that point. But they were not the better team that game. Right. If you ran a sandwich so? shop and you had uh, a sandwich <laughs> called the Healthy Harvey, what would you? What would you? It was <laughs> what a would bit. you put on yeah. that sandwich? This is a bit that we came up with. Well, it's I don't want to. I don't want to give too much praise <laughs> to a Badger, except when she's wearing the Team USA colors. Yeah. I was going to put her, like, before she got hurt, I was going to put her as a, a Patty Kaz, like, yeah. favorite. Would you have yeah. a, would you, who would you pick? Because she's been hurt for, I mean, she's back now, um, but I don't know if she's lost enough playing time that she's not exactly in that mix yeah, at this point. She'll get, uh, she'll get other chances to win the Patty Kaz. Uh, who I, else would you put I, in that mix right now? I still think, you know, the job that Abby Murphy has done carrying a team, you know, that lost its play driver in Heisey and basically dragging the team to, to the top five spot they're in. I know that her play style does not win her any friends, but I, I think I think Murphy and like call me the bias go for whatever. I think, you know, with, with Northeastern not being what they were, even though Gwyneth Phillips is still having a Gwyneth Phillips year, uh, I'd, I'd be – I'm on the Murphy train on this one. Although, you know, will she get it? she antagonize people enough? Yeah. That's actually a good argument that she doesn't have the kind of supporting cast around her that she is yeah. needing to pull more of the weight for the whole team. That's a, that's a good argument. Yeah. I gotta, gotta imagine someone from Colgate's gonna be uh like a top three, yeah, either Serdachny. I mean, Serdachny was, was top three last year, and Serdachny's like a, a good player, but Serdachny's uh, a very good player, but uh they reward goal scorers over people with high assists. You got that Colt Nikova too from them. Yeah. Who's had a really good career and another good year this year. Um like, so, yeah. I like I like Kirsten Sims at Wisconsin. I think she's really I mean, Wisconsin's got a, a couple of D four, uh, but you have, you have so many players on Wisconsin. Yeah, right. I 
You know, and there's one too. You kind of got to look at those numbers. I mean, they had that 16 to one game against Lindenwood. You got to take yeah. some of those numbers with the non-conference uh, uh, with a grain of salt, but, but still they've got some, they'll have multiple top 10 nominees. Wisconsin will Ohio, yeah. Ohio state. I bet Gardner is going to get a top 10 um, as yep. like a career nod, even if not, maybe a top three. So it's um, it'll be, it's not like an open and shut case. It'll be a, a wide open race. I think similar to last year where they, they decided to go with Jake's the defender. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that two, two years in a row, if they want to go with Harvey, who I still think like, Pound for pound is the best player yes. uh, on the women's side, but I just don't know if she's got the resume this year with being uh, out so much that I, she's going to actually win. Harvey has, uh, what's she got? Like two or three seasons left of eligibility. She'll get her chance. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. The, yeah. The, is it more so in the women's game where it's, you're playing on sort of the Hobie rules traditionally where you're going age and experience and you're sort of you're holding freshmen against them a little bit. Maybe yeah, that's... I mean Daryl Watts did win as a freshman, um, but it, you know it's a little bit different. In 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 the in with the Hobie, it was goalies who were unable to win for a right. long time until McKay did. When McKay wasn't even the best goalie in the country that year, uh, and in the women in the Patty Cads, it was defensemen until Jake's won it. Right. Which is funny because if you ask me. Jake's probably should have won it the year Heisey won it, and Heisey probably should have won it last year. Yeah, that's interesting. They, they, they got the they got the years reversed, but it all evens out. It, it yeah. evened out in a wash. Yeah, no, that's a it's a good conversation, and maybe we'll end with some Big Ten men's side. Yeah, because you know we we're sort of NCHC centric. We do like to take a look at the other conferences, but we do focus on, on the Huskies and, and the NCHC, but big tens always, um, you know, uber competitive, uh, and yep. no, no, uh, uh, exception this year. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about the men's team and bits and pieces here throughout the show, but it seems like a year where just watching from afar, catching, uh, you know, some action here or there team that kind of is struggling to finish in certain games like no weekend so far this year where they've had two regulation wins it's just right the one weekend against st thomas where they swept quote unquote but yes. one of those was in overtime lots of splits lots of you know like late game time goals allowed to bring games into overtime some yep. you know, some game time goals for them that brought it to overtime as well like that michigan series mm-hmm. um but um kind of up and down they've really not gone on a run yet yeah. uh you know obviously always a young team is it just kind of first half getting to know each other and getting some chemistry worked out how do you see this gopher team playing out the rest of the way you know people are going to talk about how they don't have Cooley or nice anymore obviously those losses hurt but the biggest loss was favor yeah i agree with that and you know and beyond that you know lacomb great defenseman and I in you know Johnson probably would have been the best defender on this year's team and he was the third best defender on last year's team you know the the, the big problem with with uh with Minnesota this year has been the defense like Kester was hurt to start the year and really you know Renzel has probably been their best defender as as a freshman yeah, I was going to ask about um, him. He's been pretty impressive for you. 
Renzel has his Renzel's like trying to catch up to where he's been, but like his offense is a lot better than I expected it to be. I think he's it's probably only gonna be in college for two years. But you you on on top of everything, you can't just replace a Brock Faber and that's for for everything that Faber brings and now the yeah, wild fans will see it. Really right. impressed with how well he has been able to transition to the pro game. Like it's just just able to put favor out in any position or any situation. It's been, you know, I, I've always known that, you know, throughout college that he was a solid player, but I didn't, I didn't think that he'd be able to step in and look like a seasoned vet out there. Like he was like a top four then, defenseman in the wilds yeah. playoff run last year. Yep. I, uh, he like is my favorite. He's my favorite defenseman in my time watching the Gophers. I yeah, he's I, really strong. I you know, the team hasn't had a clean weekend yet, or a clean weekend yet. You know, I I think they're going to be an easily tournament team, but last year was the year. I I don't think they are going to make the national championship game this time. Obviously, Minnesota is never out of it for too long as long as uh, they're as long as they know what they're doing. But uh, I think my point um, is that I've already bought concert tickets for the night of the national championship game. College hockey's weird, man. Like St. Cloud gets back-to-back number one overall years and they uh, crap out against an Atlantic team. And then they make the title game with mm-hmm. like their 12th best team ever. Um, yeah, the next yeah, uh, in twenty one. So I mean, and, and don't, lose don't a great so card when they that. when they win it all. <laughs> but uh, nobody in the nobody in the in the Big Ten really strikes me as you know the level of Quinnipiac or BCBU or North Dakota. Like I understand Wisconsin's had a Wisconsin's had a great start under Mike Hastings, uh, but. You know, we know how Mike Hastings teams get. Uh, Michigan State, you know, they've had a great recovery under Nightingale. They haven't made the tournament yet, and I, I'm, I'm not sure I, I just, buy them as a deep run. I team just look at Michigan State, and I just see their record, and I see that I'm like, oh, this is a cute story. Like it's like I just don't take them serious, and maybe that's my fault, and they should. Uh, and but it's like. I, I think when you get to like junior year, Trey Augustine, they're going to be a problem. But that's kind of what I said at the beginning of the year. I've yeah. they probably exceeded my expectations for this year, even though the record is, I think, a product of a weak non-conference schedule in part. Yeah. Um, but I've been impressed by them. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if like they're the last standing Big Ten team in the tournament. Yeah, wouldn't, be surprised wouldn't, wouldn't be either. I just, I just think they're like. I look at Quinnipiac, a team I have very easy access to, and I think, yeah, they lost some stuff. Yeah, they don't have as go- a goalie as good as you need Peretz, but they can repeat. They can definitely repeat. I, I look at I, – I don't fully trust BC because they're a little young, but they're – but Jacob Fowler can win them. Can win BC's them like this year's Minnesota, kind of, where they're just very flashy, but these young teams just don't – don't tend to win the whole thing. Well, I don't even think the Minnesota team last year was that young. I mean, maybe they're like a 22 Minnesota. Sure. Yeah. I mean, BC's 
an exception. Like I wouldn't even say Minnesota's like was the youngest team, obviously, but just looking at like obviously we've gone. I think Michigan's a better example of, of a team that just is done in by youth. Um, yeah, like or Mich- like Michigan's twenty two team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just we see that those kind of like I the Big Ten. I'm not not trying to rub it in. Big Ten is still not yet to win a national title in their run as a hockey yeah. conference. And if you were going to make any bold takeaways from that, it is that yes, the the youth of the the high end prospects doesn't exactly translate to national. I mean, titles. you need to ba- you need to balance it. And I like I think the Minnesota team last year did a good job of balancing it. I think the Denver 22 team had a good balance of of the young town and, and, and the veteran guys like it's why I think BU is better off than BC right now. Even if uh, BC, you know, might have the best goalie in the country as a freshman. Um, But BU has like the older guys who are still like key contributors. Do you remember when BC just had that terrible season, a terrible couple of seasons? And a couple of that was a couple great. of bad years. <laughs> I mean, the year that I was in, it was the game that I met Dave Starman at. It was a seven rip St. Claude yeah. win at BC. That was not a very good year for them. But yeah, it's yeah. Some of those like national, like North Dakota, went for a couple of years without going to the tournament. Like it's a couple of these big. Wish they would start that again. It would be great. Going. It was always those are always fun years. Yeah, it's you look at this top four. I mean. Quinnipiac, they've been there for so long. I guess we can call them a traditional power at this point, but BU, Maine, Boston College, North Dakota, and Wisconsin, Michigan State, you can go to the top seven there. Like, mm-hmm. if we were looked at the top of the pairwise in 1997, we'd be nodding <laughs> along and saying, yep, yep, that's what, that's what it always is. But <laughs> who the, the hell is there Quinnipiac? Would be, what's, other what's than Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac? But I'm saying the other, the other teams, you know, Maine's, it's been probably your entire lifetime, sentient lifetime that Maine's ever made a tournament. They used yeah, to be there I, every I, year. Like, well, I was five years old in 2002, so uh, I don't, I don't remember that game. Right. I've watched it. But yeah, I don't as you remember. You know, BU had some terrible years. You know, the, I think the first Quinn year they won like three or four games. BC, the last couple of York years were not great. North Dakota, Wisconsin, well, the, the, the whole Granado I, uh, run. So my girlfriend went to Northeastern, and her twin sister went to BC. And I have a few BC fan, fan friends, so I, I have like an internal, uh, not quite North Dakota feeling, but a North Dakota feeling about BU. So I don't want to see them do well, but you know I can I can admit oh. when when they're good. There's real no there's no comparison to North Dakota. You can't compare BU to North Dakota in any real sense, like from a school to school thing. If you, uh, North Dakota um, and and their citizens are are one in one in a one in a million. Uh, they're very yeah, special. I, I understand. I've just been really annoyed by BU people. So, um. <laughs> Now, the uh, main uh, main Gophers that was that was O two that was Grant Patoni's that was Grant Patoni's yes. game winning goal. Yep. Who was was it? Yep. University and No Hardware after that, or who? Oh, in O three, right? Yeah, O three. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Van Vanekier. Yeah. Okay. And then. And that was one. I think that the Gophers tied it late, like a last, like an extra attacker goal, and then they, won it they in won overtime. an overtime against Michigan in the semi. 
I thought the no, title game I think came they back too. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, the main. Yeah, I thought the game was a bit of a route. No, well, the main the main game was overtime. I just I don't know if it was a yes. late tying goal. The yes, UN, yes, UNH Kowalska, they yeah, they okay. steamrolled UNH. Kowalska, we, Kowalska tied the game against Maine uh, in the final minute. Okay, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. That was a good game. I, I, yeah, I, I do. I do. Imagine. I, 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 I found a uh, a a stock video site where uh, I, I have been able to watch old uh, NCAA tournament games. It's, oh, nice. it's been a very fun watch. I think I've, I've stumbled upon that. Have you ever seen the 91 national title game? I just watched that. Yep. I, Great. Man, my my dad and my brother were at the game and they still to this day say it's the best, best sporting event they've ever what, been to. What a man. I both teams <laughs> led by three goals at one point in that game. Right. And then, uh, then, well, was uh, it was it it was a three nothing seven three and then seven seven was or was it seven four? seven four okay BU scored three straight to tie the game the diving one hand poke by Scott Lachance to David Sacco and then Amani almost like, wins it at the end of regulation yeah, too he's got like a breakaway glove, with ten seconds left yeah the glove save with one second left by the yep. NMU goal I, I watched that game a few months ago when I so I'm I'm writing a piece on every uh, NHL player from Connecticut. Oh, wow. I'm doing like individual profiles, and when I did the Scott Lachance piece, I watched that game, and I had so much fun watching that game. It's a classic. Yeah, I just don't understand how like hockey's just so bizarre where you can go score 14 goals in three periods, and then just nothing for another three. <laughs> well, although see, in fairness, the, those were were those ten minute oh, overtime okay, periods. Those were though? ten minute overtimes. Okay. That's right, and those, and those, those but, had, still, oh, okay, but those yeah. over, but the overtime periods were quite dramatic too. I mean, they had a lot of great. Yeah. There might have been a post or two hit. Keith Kachuk, I think, hit two and that posts. Was, um, those yeah. were the clear boards, right? Same yep. Paul Civic Center, the, very off-putting. Same with '89 Minnesota Harvard game. Another one where they hit the post, Scarta, yeah. I think, in overtime. Yeah. That was that was Woog's closest chance to win the title yes. was that year and they probably should have won that that one but yeah oh I go mean, for uh, going over least, the gopher chokes is always at I mean, least we, i can at least i can like look back you know let's say at the woog teams and say well i can watch this as a neutral fan what what loyalty do i have to a team that's wearing brown jerseys uh like at least i can watch those games while i know what happens and you know i don't I don't feel any connection to like a. They're kind of. I mean, watching them this year, they've Motsko must have been instrumental because they're kind of going to the throwback look with their uniforms. Like they got the, it looks like the, you know, the the shoulders have the white uh, outline around the gold. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how they used to have it maybe thirty years ago. It looks a little bit retro, and I like it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's one. How do you think that they're transitioning to the smaller sheet? Is the uh, the shrunken Mariucci playing a factor at all? I don't think so, because like all these guys are coming through juniors and like the NTDP or junior teams anyway. Like these guys have been playing on small sheets their entire life. It's a transition going to the big ice rather right. than the other way around. I think well, the I think the issue is like the, the the defense is young and you know outside of like Kester and you know there there's just no real uh there's no Brock Faber on that defense. Well they got plenty of experience in goaltender. 
Yeah. Do you, do you uh, still still like him close at uh, yep. 25 years old? Yeah. No, I mean, close to my age, so. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so I mean, nice. I, I, you can relate. I think, I think in Justin Close's case, as much as you can root for any gopher, he's one whose story is a good one. Because, you know, it's so unlike anything Big Ten in that right. he comes in as a as a third goalie out of the Saskatchewan League. Basically, um, you know, when, when Jared Moe transfers, he becomes the backup. He doesn't get into a game until LaFontaine leaves midseason. And he comes in and, you know, and he's also like the smallest starter in college hockey. And he does pretty well, I think. I, I've had no problems with 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 Justin Close, um, especially given you know there, there's no Devin Levi or Yaniv Peretz in, in the NCAA this year. So mm-hmm. I he Close is not only not an issue; he's someone I feel comfortable in. Wish I felt the same about the defense. So you're saying Gophers are going to make the tournament? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. And similar to how we did the uh, WCHA, the women's side. We got Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Minnesota in pairwise position now. You got Michigan right outside the fringe. They're 15. We can't count them because there's two auto-bid leagues right now. So as of today, they've got three teams in the field. More, mm-hmm. less, the same at the end same. of the, at the season? Three teams? You think of those three teams? I'm saying those three. Uh, you know – I think Michigan just doesn't really know where it is right now, and their goaltending is a mess. You know, it's don't tell that to St. Cloud after he shot out the Huskies, <laughs> uh, Barcheski. I mean, it's, it's a shame for Michigan because like McGrory's gone after this year. I'm sure. Well, they'll have next year's McGrory come in. Yeah, probably three yeah. of them. They, they, got they can rotate of that, of that skill level. I, you know, maybe Michigan makes it at the end, but I, like, I'd say it's three or four. I, I just, they're, they're certainly I, the only other, like, you don't think anything about Penn State, Notre Dame. Like, I mean, Notre Dame, Notre Dame is the goaltending where they can yeah. win the Big Ten tournament. So I'm, I'd watch for Notre Dame. Um, yeah, man, if you think Minnesota is going to look different, different with close, imagine how Notre Dame is going to look without Bischel. Yeah, he's kind of but, propping uh, them up single-handedly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame's a very good team outside of them, so I'm going to say they're on the outside. Yeah, and they again talking about like Boston College, knowing that they got a bunch of guys uh, at World Juniors. You know, last year we saw the Gophers do the St. Cloud series Saturday Sunday series mm-hmm. right after yep. and. All of their guys like Sungarud and Cooley played that series. I don't think they took a yeah. game off. Well, I see if well, CHN's yeah. app is to be believed, which isn't 100% accurate, they're actually doing a Sunday-Monday series with CC. Is that correct? Because that's uh, interesting. Be careful, Woden's I guess so. so. <laughs> well, you know why that is. Bob really just wants those guys coming back with full full strength. Uh, he probably I'm, did that because they got the the, the transatlantic flight, so he's got to add another day to the schedule. So yeah, well, I think you know how Bob <laughs> operates. By oh, this time. oh, we're well, we're well aware. I mean, the fact that, like the fact that 
you know, the Olympians came back for the, for the Penn state game after, uh, you know, the, after, uh, the Olympics ended, uh, and the, like the stories about the, the connecting flights that Faber and, oh, yeah, and, Nyes right. and Myers had to take. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if anything, Bob's just going to say they did it, you do it. Does yeah, throw them off their rhythm though, and Bob, Bob, Bob loves Bob the schedule. How Bob, that Bob really loves... <laughs> yeah. don't t- don't get them started about eight p.m. games in the NCAA tournament either. So, so. Uh, we we like to have fun with him. Uh, he used to be ours. Uh, he mm-hmm. he 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 dumped us. Um, Just answer and, questions uh, about Air Force. Now. That's all I want. I want closure <laughs> on Air Force. I want to. One thing I want to say is, like, since then, like, the only only uh, coach who has really left one program for another is Hastings. Like, it just – like, you see football coaches leave for X program all the time, and this happens in basketball. And in hockey coaches, like, all the marquee programs take the path of least resistance. X alum, mm-hmm. you know, usually or, uh, assistant coach getting promoted up to, like, like Raboyne. Yes. Right. Yeah, getting Augustana or right, or I mean, you could even say like Nick Oliver, um, to a lesser extent, going from the U to um, assistant at Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, like, like I I think about how BU, BC, Michigan State, Michigan was a little different situation, but all in the same summer, uh. All of them had a coaching vacancy and think about like all the people who want the jobs at those programs and each of them went chalk. And each of them had Mike Hastings rumors too. <laughs> at least Michigan Maybe State Michigan, and yeah. BU Maybe did. not Michigan, but yeah. Uh, I know that they, like, I don't BC, BU. BC had BU like Nate Lehman rumors. BC had Kavanaugh rumors too, right? Yep. Because he and, was yep. York's long-term assistant. Right. But he, st- he stayed put. Kavanaugh turned that down very early in the process, and Lehman, I think, was taken out of the running late. I think it was Craig Janney who tweeted, like, I think Nate Lehman's a good coach, but we need, a, like, a BC guy coaching us and whatever. So so maybe it's just, it like, seems a, to have a worked out so far. alum thing where you're, you know, Botsko, St. Yeah. Cloud, Hastings, went to St. Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that'll go ahead and switch. To- I think they lead the country yeah. in, in schools that have produced D one uh, head coaches. Cause they got three of them right now with Monsko Hastings and Raboyne. That's I don't a know. Good if anyone has- I'm going to have to look that up. Not right now, but I'm going to have to, I think there's, there's schools that have two. I'm not sure if, if there's three, but none of them incidentally coach <laughs> for St. Cloud. So we, we yeah. can't keep yeah, on. We've got a, a Duluth coach for crying out loud. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> and Duluth's got a North Dakota alum. It's all sort of screwed up and backwards a little bit. But yeah. that is a good point that you don't see the sort of poaching of, of other coaches with, with programs because it does tend to stay, as we said, either alums or just promoting assistance. assistance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got, um, you know, as you know, we've already got through questions and this podcast, since, you know, we're going on two hours, so we might as well wrap it up. I do have one question about a future Husky. Um, that does, um, mm-hmm. that did play in the, um, you know, for the national development team, um, who's having a really solid year, um, at the USHL so far, that's Austin Bernovic. Um, just kind mm-hmm. of in your 
thoughts and opinions maybe of him as, as his time playing in the national development team. That's not a place St. Cloud gets players. So, I mean, so that was kind of right. a surprise, obviously big guy, but you know, from all accounts, it seemed like he had maybe a little bit of a disappointing national development team. And just to see him kind of explode, like, is it a different play style? Is it like different play? Like, wh- what do you think contributes to that? Look, everyone wants to play for the NTDP at this point, but it's not for everybody. And if you're a lower line guy, like the the one thing about the NTDP is I think they have a goal to get everyone to college right afterward. And that's just not the right path for some people. Minnesota is a recruit Beckett Hendrickson who who was like this. I think in Burnovic's case, it was a more extreme example because he didn't even make the U18 uh, IAHF championship team. Uh, this past year. So I, I don't think uh, going into St. Cloud would have been the right option at all. And sometimes you need to get some confidence by, you know, going to a different USHL team and ripping it up. And I think the one guy I, I think of for this, who kind of was buried in the lineup with the NTDP uh, was Sean Farrell at Harvard, uh, who was, you know, he was on that NT, NTDP team with Hughes and Zegris and Boldy yeah. and Caulfield you know, he was a smaller guy and he, I think because of uh, Harvard going out for COVID, he actually uh, took two years in the USHL where he was like the leading scorer in the league. And, you know, he became a really good college player and Olympian. And now a guy who's made his NHL debut and someone the Canadians have high hopes for him. Uh, obviously, Brnovich's a different type of player being, you know, the power forward guy. But, you know, the, consider this from someone who rooted for a Don Lucia coach Sorry team for that. so many years. Sometimes, sometimes, and Lucia didn't realize this, you have the extra years to take before going to college. Use them. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it works for many of those players. I don't know what Bernovic's long-term future is, but uh, he, he certainly – I, I think uh, him being in the USHL this year was a no-brainer. Stock rising for you know, draft and maybe like next maybe, year's maybe. U- U20s outside maybe. shot of that? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously USA Hockey is familiar with him from having been with, with the NTDP. I th- That was a smaller age group outside of guys like Danny Nelson. So maybe if they need some meat up the middle, they'll look his way if he has a good start to his year at St. Cloud. I, I don't think he made the Junior A Challenge roster, did he? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. So, I mean, maybe. We'll see. You could always yeah. use some meat up the middle. Um, that's what I say. That's also on the healthy Harvey. So, um, the uh, <laughs> Right on top <laughs> of the Alfalfa uh, Sprouts. Exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> Jake has no idea nope, what we're talking about. I, I unfortunately am not a regular. That, that's to okay. Podcast, no one is. But, uh, you, we have that Dan is, Jacobson that is and the my wife are, are the two regular listeners. <laughs> well, go Huskies it. woo. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, well, uh, hi to everybody who re- wondered how I got on the show. Yeah. This was great. Uh, if I don't say so myself, maybe we should have you on again. Like, Especially, I enjoyed the women's uh, talk as well. We yeah. should have them like 
preview the yeah. women's tournament or something. Perfect. Um, I'd do that. Sounds good. Um, well, uh, Jake, thanks for taking the time. Um, you can, if you want to plug your Twitter right now, go right ahead. And your podcast. Oh, yeah. Tell me about your podcast. Yeah. Well, um, uh, this year I've started a, a podcast called Off the Island. I, I'm not sure your overlap with Islanders fans is that much. Uh, me and another guy who is not from Long Island, we uh, talk about the Islanders we just recorded earlier today. I'm also a broadcaster for the Danbury Hattricks of the North American Hockey League. Uh, so I, I get to see some good players in the Nall. I'm really trying to build my name in broadcasting, but I just love talking hockey. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jake Baskin PXP. Uh, Jake, you know, spelled normally Baskin, like Carol Baskin or Baskin Robbins, whatever have you. Uh, I was say we need we need Tony <laughs> Robbins on here, so we have to really have the Baskin yeah. Robbins podcast. But you stole my joke. Well, I've been getting that or Carol Baskin for the last three years. So, well, uh, until next time, go Huskies! Oh, woo.